Welcome to the Mostly Clattered at Night. Mostly, I am Salem, joined by my co-host, Graveyard. Hello. This is episode 19 of our new weekly All Things Horror podcast. Our topic for this week is the Alien franchise. It's not really a new weekly All Things Horror podcast anymore. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I need to change that. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's we're, not, cool. we're not new anymore. Now we're veterans. Exactly. Um, okay. Anyway, yeah, so we're going to go over all the movies in the Alien franchise. Um, there is six main entries in the in the franchise. Uh, and then there are the two, of course, Alien vs. Predator, which we reviewed before, but we tried to stick to the Predator side of things. This time we're going to do the Alien side of things. Yes, about time we got to this. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so, uh, Graveyard's going to start us off here with the original Ridley Scott Alien. Ah, uh, yes. The, the classic, iconic Alien movie, which, hands down, great, great entry to the start of the franchise. <laughs> And I was, techni- I was technically alive for all of these movies. So, oh, uh, I was not for this one. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, um, essentially, we see we see I'd call them tow trucks in space. Uh, <laughs> right? When space space miners. Yeah. Space yeah miners? Blue blue collar space workers. Yes. yes. Uh, aboard the spacecraft, the Nostromo, and going to Earth. Earth. Yeah. And um, they're all in stasis, which we get the kind of the sleep stasis versus the frozen or the water stasis that we've discussed in our scary space movies previously. Um, And essentially, the computer wakes them up because they're passing, you know, a moon as they're heading back to Earth. Um, I don't know if we ever say where they're coming back. I know they're just kind of like a tugboat, but in space. I don't, oh. I don't, they don't say like where they're from, but they do say like they're past the outer rim. I mean, obviously that that means a lot of different things in a lot of different franchises, but yeah, we right. know it's far away. I would consider the outer rim to be past Pluto at this point. I mean, that's what I would assume, but I mean, who knows? I mean, the outer rim in the Star Wars universe is like literally the outer rim of like the universe. Correct, the known so, universe. Yes, right. So <laughs> who knows what the outer rim ever means? Yeah. So um, the the ship's computer is called Mother pretty appropriate but you know, it, there's a distress signal and because the protocol says any distress signal that is picked up you know the crew gets woken up um and this is a company policy so they signed it in their employee handbook that they have to do this you know um so they, they get woken up and we kind of get that whole you know waking up and getting your wits about you because we don't really know how long they're asleep in stasis i don't believe uh, well, um, they said they said they're about halfway there, and okay. they said, and then they said later on um, that it'll take ten months to get home. So by that logic, I would say like probably like a two year journey, approximately. That's that's fair, which is like our distance to Mars, but this is going a lot faster than what appears. Oh, yeah, this in is space. this is future <laughs> space speed. Yes, where everything's greasy and grimy. Mm-hmm. Um, so they get woken up, you know, they get their, we get to see them all in their skimpies, they wake up, they get their coffee, get dressed, and they sit around the table as they do in the scary space movie montage of Stasis waking up. This kind of, I feel, started this, I'll call it cliche at this point in time. I mean, it um, is, but this is also, <laughs> you know, 1979. So, I mean, this right. is this is the, the starting of that, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and they don't want to go down there, the engineers Parker is going, no, we shouldn't do this but they said hey we have to this is, this is we signed the handbook 
HR is going to be on our ass if we don't do this, essentially. Um, so, you know, they go down, they start going towards the moon, and, oh, they land on the moon, yep. right? Um, mm-hmm. And But because it's such a bad planet, they get damaged, as they do, and the engineers obviously have to stay on board and start fixing the repairs. You know, while a couple of the crews go across the really crappy terrain, and, you know, they find the signal, and we see this big-ass spaceship, right? Mm-hmm. I call it almost a crescent moon with a big sphere in the middle. Uh, yeah, more or less. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as they're going to their, they, their technology can't penetrate the ship's hull, essentially. Um, say, you know, if they lose contact with the Stromo where Ripley is the C, I believe she's the XO. Um, yeah, I think so. She's, yeah, I'm pretty sure she's the XO. Yeah, she's the XO slash pilot of some form. Right. Yeah. It's one of the small crew. They have many hats. Right. Right. Um, but as she, she was, you know, she's deciphering the transmission. It's a warning, but she obviously can't get down to the crew to tell them, Hey, don't go in there. It's a bad idea. It's too late. Um, so they're kind of going in, in there and, uh, they're investigating, you know, the ship trying to figure out what's going on. They go past like a, I'd say what a 10 foot tall creature in some sort of seat. Yeah. The pilot. The pilot, yes. Well, the pilot is the name of the Geiger art that it's based on. Yes, yes, very. That's a good point. Very H.R. Geiger, who did a lot of this artwork and drawings and the alien design for all this, and you can really tell. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Most (laughs) of Geiger's work is is like you know female centric. Yes. Um, and this is the 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 xenomorph itself is one of his very very few male centric ones, which is why the head looks like a giant penis. That's fair. As it should. That, as it yeah, should. That's, yeah, well, that, yeah, that's Geiger's <laughs> trademark is, is making genitalia extremely obvious in like his weird bio-organic bio- <laughs> mechanical way. Yes, which we see in the game Scorn that just came out that I've been playing a little bit. Of. <laughs> oh, yeah? Is it good? Yeah, oh, yeah. It's difficult. It's just initially difficult. <laughs> um, so like I said, they're exploring it, and they discover a chamber where they see what looks like pretty neat rows of eggs. Um and you know Kane, one of the members of the crew that's on there, you know he's he's the no he's the XO. Ripley's a warrant officer. That's right. That's right. Right. Um, well, okay, yeah, she's third in command, but yes. yeah, that that quickly changes. Right. Um, and as as most people do, when you see something foreign in nature, you put your face up as close as possible to it and touch it. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh look, it's moving. Let me put my face up to. It. And despite this being, you know, H.R. Geiger, it was very, very vaginal in looks when it opens up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, We see a little bit of, like, this, like, egg sack in there a little bit. And then the creature springs out. It goes through his helmet, which is really either flimsy glass or this is a really strong creature. Well, yeah. I, I, well, both because um, the glass is really thick. Because we see that scene later where they're like cutting that helmet off his head. Yeah, the glass is super thick. It's it apparently, um, it, it has some way of melting through stuff. I mean, obviously, we know it's it's yeah it's, right. It's, it's blood is acid, but obviously, it like has some way to like secrete acid to like melt stuff away from his face because it looked like it melted right through the glass. It had to have right. It had to have right. Um, so essentially, it attaches to itself, 
to his face, and he kind of goes unconscious from lack of air, I would say. Um, and they bring him back on board, Nostromo. And, you know, since she's, since, you know, the Exo and the captain were on the ship, she was in charge while they're out there. So she was acting senior officer, and she goes, <laughs> I, I mean, and rightfully think. so. I mean, you right. go out into space and you come back with some bizarre thing <laughs> attached to your face. I wouldn't let you in either. Right? Um, it's like, hey, this is yeah, this is like standard space protocol. You got some weird alien thing attached to you. Yeah, we're not letting you in. Sorry, but but that's I I'd say that kind of goes against what they say um about it because hey, go visit these alien plants that you might not know. Because they're distressing, but don't bring anything back. Well, you're well, okay. have something happen. To be fair, I highly doubt they thought it was an alien. That's fair. I mean, um, again, yeah. That once they once they you know realized what it was uh, later on in in the later entries of the series, yes, they obviously knew what it was. Yeah. And that's their fault. But this time, yeah, they don't know what it is. They just got a signal. Hey, go check it out. Right. Um. But and also, sorry, I'm just a uh, pay very close. We're gonna stress. The timelines for this movie. <laughs> yes, we are because, because a lot of them yes, right. A lot of our critiques <laughs> for these later versions in the series are going to go because this timeline gets all out of whack. The um, Lord, so, yes, we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna stress this timeline <laughs> for this and the second movie just to to yeah. show what it's supposed to be. Sorry, correct, correct. Uh, but they have a science officer named Ash, played by. Our lovely uh, crap. What's his name? Ian Holm. Ian Holm, as we see, you know, we know know and love from as Bilbo Baggins originally uh, from the priest Cornelius, yeah, Fifth Element, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes, nope, I'm overriding it because science. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fair. That's what he does, right? Well, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's a science guy. He's also a company guy, right? Yeah. Company man working the company done. Right. Uh, so they bring him essentially into their uh, med bay, right? Mm-hmm. And they try to stop you remove the creature because they can tell that Kane's still alive, but this creature's attached to his face and its tail's wrapped around his throat. Um, they tried calling the creature off or attempt to remove it, and it drips blood, and the blood. You know, goes through the floor. And they go, oh, shit. And they start following it down, see how far it goes. I think it goes like three or four levels. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it goes three levels down before it stops. Right, which is pretty good. It's going down as opposed to the side because, you know, hulls. <laughs> right. Um, And they go, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> but they stopped it, and they t- still touch it with the pen to see if it's still corrosive, which is fair. Um, but they well, had to be very worried. They said to use their that. finger. <laughs> so, some of the True. later entries in this, they touch it with their finger. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, uh, the ship gets re- partially repaired enough from the engineers working on the ship. They start to go, and they go back, and they see that it's detached itself and it's dead. And then King kind of gets up. Right, he has some memory loss, but he's like, "Hey, cool, I'm good. Let's eat." Right, because they're eating, because which is a weird thing. I, they eat before they go in the stasis, which you think you want to evacuate before you go in the stasis, not put stuff in. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, what what's the rule? You're not supposed to eat like four hours before you go to bed. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> right, should follow that rule. 
Um, so you know they're just having a good hurrah. Let's go back in the stasis. We're, we're, we're good. And it seems like he starts. You know they're telling jokes, and it seems like he starts choking on his food. You know, and then like, oh, we're gonna try like the Heimlich and stuff like that. But he starts convulsing. And he gets to go onto the table, and you start seeing his part of his shirt start to get pressed up. You know what's going on here? And then a creature burst from his chest. Like, holy shit. <laughs> right. Right. And the, yeah, like, the cool thing about that scene is that they didn't tell anybody what was happening. Correct. So, like, that look on their face of, like, what is that? Is Those are real looks because they didn't know what was happening in this scene. They like, knew only, how. Yeah, they knew what he was going to be doing, but he didn't know what the effect, because it's practical. It's 1979. Right, right. What the practical effect is going to look like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think Kane <laughs> was, like, the only one in the scene that knew what was going to happen, obviously, because they put it on him. Right. <laughs> That's fair. And clearly kills him in the process. Yes. Yes. <laughs> very, yes. First open from the chest and it kind of just escapes and they want to kill it. And then, you know, Ash goes, no, no, no science. <laughs> Don't well, kill it as you do. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, and then, you know, Kane gets the, the, the burial at sea treatment of space, which is shoot him up, wrap him up, shoot him out the airlock. Well, yeah, I mean, you don't want to keep a dead body on a ship. You know, must, it would stink up the whole ship. True. And in fairness, we they don't know what's still left inside of him that could still be there. So you get rid of a potential contamination as well. Right. I mean, I yeah, the, only, the only other thing I could see them possibly doing is putting him back in the sleep pod. But then again, you're probably wasting resources on a dead guy. So Correct. So they go, okay, we have to find this thing. This thing's dangerous. We don't know where it is. And they start getting geared up. You know, they get nets, electrical prods, flamethrowers, because flamethrowers is a thing staple of sci-fi as well and aliens in space. Um, kill everything with fire. That's fair. And they start using tracking devices. Um, well, I don't I don't think they use the, the flamethrowers and the tracking devices until later. I thought it was at this point. They start this and they continue using it later, too. Well, no, because at this point, they think it's like a little cat sized thing. Yeah, yeah. So they're not they're not like fearing for their lives right now. Um, after what happens during this sequence of events, then they realize how dangerous it is, and then they start. Okay, that's when they're um, like, okay, we need to take this seriously. That's when they start using weapons and the tracker. Right. One of the engineers has a cat, Jones, and because you bring a cat with you into space. Oh yeah, you need companionship. If you want companionship, you don't get a cat. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying, like, also, the ship is huge. Yeah. Like, why would you let the cat wander on a huge ship? Like, if you if the cat was hiding, you know how hard it is to find a cat when it's hiding? Like, if, oh, yeah. if you want to go to sleep, like, how are you going to find a stupid cat? Right. It would take forever. Anyway, I don't know. That, that struck me as odd that the cat had free reign of the whole freaking ship. And yes. it's a big ship. Yeah, that's a huge-ass ship. Because um, they had like big storage places for like all their mining, you know, yep. trucks and stuff. I mean, so there's huge cargo areas that they all oh, have yeah. access to. Yeah. Again, they're all pressurized and they're wasting all this life support and oxygen. I always complain <laughs> about this in in space movies because I'm like, okay, you're you're just traveling home. Why would you need to pressurize yeah. the, the where that you're keeping the you know the trucks and stuff? Like, there's no you don't need to get there. Correct. Whatever. But no one wants to see the. Dylan 
tank room <laughs> with air sequence. Right. I don't. I don't know. That's yeah. That's, that's one thing. One problem I always have with these space movies. I'm like, oh, you're wasting all of this life support stuff. Why? 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 Yeah. But anyway, Brett's in like the landing room, like the landing compartment area, looking for the cat, and like the cat's like hissing at him, and then we kind of see a partial of the full. We realize the aliens now kind of thick at this point, human size. Well, yeah, probably even bigger than human size. Yeah, but the the final stage is as far as we're aware. Right at this point, attacks him. He kind of just disappears up. I think into the crap hanging from the ceiling, the chains and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's a big discussion of how to go after it, what to do, and I think they realize then it must be in the air ducts. Like, how can something like that travel without being seen? Right. Um. Well, so, yeah. oh, so when he got pulled up, blood came down. So it was very obvious that like something really bad happened to him. That this yeah. is that's why they're now like, oh shit, we need to take this seriously. Right. It's not just bursting out of chest, blood, and his body's gone. <laughs> um. So yeah, they go in the ducks. So the captain Dallas, you know, goes into the ducks with the flamethrower. Right. I, mm-hmm. I can't imagine having a lit flame. Going with me through ductwork. <laughs> I mean, I would rather have that than nothing. That's fair. <laughs> Otherwise, he'd be going in there with his bare hands. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's fair. Um, but they're there. This is where they're doing the tracking devices, where they can see kind of where it is or it's coming up to him. It's not a full ship tracking, I'd say. No, no. And then the screen looks like they're playing like. Metroid or something. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It looks like a radar system. <laughs> yeah, it looks from the terrible. 60s. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're, the idea is they're like, hey, we're going to, you know, throw this thing out the airlock, which is a good plan. I don't blame yeah. it. You know, I can't stab it. Who knows what fire would do to it, which I'm surprised they're going to set on fire. I think that would make it bleed a bit. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, maybe, but I mean, yeah, who knows? Who knows what the effect of xenomorph skin cauterization does? I mean, I don't That's, know. Yeah. I don't think it's ever explored. Interesting. <laughs> I don't think so either. Yeah. Um, but they're like, it's coming up to you. We're, I don't see it. I don't see it. And then it gets him. Yeah, and that, right? yeah, there's the, yeah. the scene where the light goes on him and he like spreads his hands like jazz hands. Yeah, he that that yes, that is the jazz hand scene. <laughs> <laughs> like with his webbed fingers. <laughs> yeah, it goes like jazz hands, and then it's and then they cut out, and then they lose all contact with Captain Dallas. Right, right. Um, so Kane's dead. The Dallas is dead, which now puts Ripley in charge. Right, right. Um, so they kind of realize that hey, this thing's kind of picking us off one by one, almost like a slasher. Imagine that. Right. Oh, another another cool thing. Just a quick aside. Um, Ripley in the original script was a dude. Yes. Uh, and the cool thing about this script is that when they cast Sigourney Weaver, they did not change the script Anything. at all. Yeah. So like, yes. it, it's a very cool. I mean, like, I, I guess what do we call it? like gender role positive? Because it doesn't the, the the role is not gender leaning one way or the other at all. Correct. A, she's just a cool character. And that's it. It's, it's never mentioned that, you know, she's male or female or anything like that. It's, and then everybody treats her exactly the same, which I I'd, I'd think is interesting. And by far the strongest female in a horror franchise, realistically. 
Oh yeah, probably. Without superpowers or anything like that. Like she survives more than I would say that Sydney Prescott does in Scream. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also in space in the future, so Right. Um, you know, so they want to Oh, Lambert wants to tell, like, hey, let's abandon ship, blow it up, and go in the space shuttle. Well, you know, there's too many people alive. We need, like, one more dead, essentially. Um, and she still wants, so she's like, no, we can't do that. We still have to flush it out. We're going to shoot out the airlock. Um, so that's that's a plan to go with. Um, and Ripley starts going into Mother, the computer, which for 1979 looks great for the year it takes place in the future. looks awful. Well, again, and this is another movie. I know we brought this up before. Yeah. It's another movie where from this time period, you know, the 80s time frame, where, like, they want to have computers do stuff, but they don't know how. So they just go in there and they just type questions in the computer, and then the computer yes. just answers the questions. I don't – and, like, so many movies do it during this time period. It's so <laughs> bizarre. I mean, this one is at least a little bit more forgivable because it is the future. I mean, they could have some form of AI that could understand a right. question you know i mean okay i'll give it to you but like yeah some of the other ones that are like you know modern times like the fly okay yes. this is modern times ai is you know what, what this is what 40 years later we still don't have ai correct so like uh, yeah that's not possible anyway I, I don't i don't i don't i don't disagree um so she's accessing mother and find out that the company uh or Ash to bring the alien back intact. Crew, eh. Alien, yes. <laughs> yeah, a crew expendable. <laughs> yes, very much so. Uh, you know, so she confronts Ash, who kind of freaks out, I'd say, a bit. and A lot know, of it. <laughs> a lot of it. Who tries to choke her out. Uh, one of the engineers, the other engineer that's left, comes in and, you know, hits him pretty hard with... Yeah. He uses the fire extinguisher, yes? Yeah, I believe so. Knocks his head clean off. <laughs> well, to, to be clean. fair, it's still hanging on by like a flap. <laughs> yeah, not clean. Right. But all of a sudden, white blood just goes everywhere. You go, interesting. <laughs> um, milk so, for blood. He's got milk for blood. Yeah, he's it's milk for blood. So... Uh, the head, you know, eventually comes off, and they put it onto the table. And the decent cutscene from the mannequin head to Ian Holmes' head's okay-ish. Um, it's good. It's good for 1979. Yes, I said it's okay-ish. Hmm. Um, and they find out that now that he's, you know, bodyless, he's giving them all the answers they want. That he was assigned to. Make sure the creature survives at all cost. And he goes into this as a science person and probably just because he's science and programmed into him, he is absurdly fascinated with the creature. With the alien. Because it's... I'd say anything of it, right? It's just not human and just doesn't have any of these human traits, essentially. I think it's one of the secondary xenomorph powers is the ability to, like... Mesmerize and hypnotize sciencey people. It, it has to be. And this happens in all scary space movies. The science <laughs> person's stupidly fascinating. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, no regard for their own life at that point in time when they find something like that. Um, 
you know, it kind of taunts them that like, you're going to die. And, you know, they cause some power and well, then they flamethrower his head to oblivion. Right. <laughs> right. And then it turns into like a styrofoam mannequin head. Yes. Um, so the main crew goes, Hey, now there's, you know, let's go ahead and blow up the ship. We, we had another choice than blow up the entire ship and use the space shuttle. As they're gathering supplies, they need to take with them because you'd think the shuttle would have all the supplies. They shouldn't have to gather supplies to use the shuttle. But they how do. else would they have a scene where right. the other two people are doing something else? Correct. Yes. Yes. That's very fair that Parker and Lambert are essentially ambushed and killed while gathering the supplies. So it's just a way to, hey, we should go to this together. Okay, let's split up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what it is. It's exactly that scenario in you know, hey, I have to do a fetch, you know, a mission quest that I have to fetch an item before we do this main item. Okay, and then it's just free to die. <laughs> um and Ripley goes ahead and starts the self-destruct sequence, which is like pulling up cylinders, I would say. It's a yeah. manual thing, which is good. That's manual. A lot of them is just like don't hit this big red button here that has a piece of plastic over it. At least, right, yeah, no, at least there's a, like a known conscious decision. Well, yeah, do. it's a process. <laughs> it's something that you can't accidentally do. Right. Um, and then she goes to you know get back to the shuttle. Um, she finds out the alien's kind of blocking her, and um, she goes, "Okay, I can't get out of here. I got to stop the self destruct." And, well, she can't. It's too late. It's past time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so she goes, okay, well, then she has to go to the show. And she takes the cat, because you have to take the cat. Oh, yeah. Um, because when she's going back, the alien's not there blocking her. So she's able to go in there, and she thinks she's able to get out, and the, the stromo explodes. Very cool. The alien's gone, right? Cool. And so there is a stasis pod that her she can take her and the cat, which amazingly you're able to program the stasis to add additional animal in there <laughs> with the human. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's prepping for it. She sees the alien kind of went into like a cargo space, which is a really small space for the alien to have fit into. And it's almost hibernating, I would say. Like, wouldn't you agree? Well, yeah, it, he, he it, just ate two people. I mean, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like Thanksgiving dinner. He doesn't want to take a nap. Right. And like, he's just, she's like, seeing it. It's just kind of like, eh, I'm tired. I'm going to go to sleep now. You do what you need to do. I'm taking a nap. <laughs> um, And then she realizes that she needs to do something about this. So she quietly, you know, gets into the space suit and is going to use gas to flush it out to wake it up you know say hey I'm here and you know it's just a lure so she can open the airlock door and have it go into space go in the vacuum space now we don't know what that does in the vacuum space to the aliens but this is her best option right um, and she does that the aliens still holding on to the frame despite you know the rush of atmosphere loss which would be humongous did not that grip strength though, right? Yep. Um, shoots with a grappling hook that just happens to be there, and as a door, a locked door is closing though, 
it's still harpooned essentially and dangling off the side of the ship, tethered by the gun. Um, so it pulls its, you know, it's, it's trying to get back onto the ship, which means it can't survive the vacuum of space. At least for, for a little while, yeah. At least for a little while. And then it tries to pull itself into the engine exhaust area. And so she goes, boom, turns on the engine and roasts it. <laughs> and she records, you know, it's kind of log entry to say this is what happened. And then she goes with the cat back to her skimpies and push herself in the stasis to go back to her. Yep. Movie over. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, we'll, we'll, we're going to do our typical things here. We'll go to her first thoughts, rewatches, highlights, low points. Um, you know, my first, my first thoughts, What's, what, when I saw this, I can't tell you exactly when I saw this. It's probably around when either Alien 3 or Alien Resurrection. Alien 3, I feel like we had huge toy marketing for Aliens and Predators at that time frame because Predator 2 had just come out recently as well. Um, so that was kind of when I first knew about Alien movies existing. I'd say probably in the 93-ish. Um, and I watched it then, and you know, still new to horror. It, it was still more space-ish to me at that point in time. Um, so I still wasn't that exposed to horror. But as I grew into horror and rewatched these, is this is a constant watch on my watch list for me. Um, is that this is a slasher movie in space. Like, it is horror first and foremost in my mind. No, I mean, and yeah, in this movie it really is. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, first and foremost. I mean, yeah, there's like, you know, I mean, just because the movie's long and it, and it, you know, kind of goes into what's going on. So, like, the, the slasher part of it doesn't start until a good way into the movie. But I mean, right. overall, I would say that's the main focus of it. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I said, uh, rewatch, I rewatch this, I don't know, once a year, honestly. You know, what were, you, what were your first thoughts when you saw this? And your and you watches. Um, I don't. I, I don't remember the first time I watched it. I know I watched it before I watched Aliens. Okay. But I mean, the first time I watched Aliens was like in, uh jeez, I don't know. It was like late eighties, maybe yeah. nine, maybe ninety. Yeah. Um, when I watched it, so I mean, it was right around there. I mean, it, I remember I was at, um, a friend of mine's house. So this is like I don't know fifth sixth grade something like that <laughs> um and we were you know we were hanging out and he was uh he had just gotten um the aliens game for the pc i think oh wow it might even better Commodore. i don't know what it was it was it was a very old machine that i did not have and i i don't i don't know what it was because i didn't really i didn't have a game system at that time so i couldn't compare it to anything yeah um and he wanted to play it and i was like oh wow what what is this based off of i never heard of it and he's like oh you never heard of aliens i'm like nope <laughs> so like we literally took all day and we watched um alien and then we watched aliens okay I'll, I'll get into the aliens part later but um yeah the alien and i was like wow this i mean this is great um i mean it's, it's a fantastic movie i mean even as you know a kid watching it it was still great i mean it still holds up now it's still fantastic and i still yeah i still watch it all the time um but I mean, I remember the first time I watched it, I thought it was a little slow. 
Um, yeah. But that's because I was a kid and it was, there's a lot of like lead up. You know, I did, I couldn't appreciate that at the time. Obviously yeah. now it's like, yeah, I understand what it's all doing and it's, and it's all, you know, masterwork. Now I understand where, it, what it's doing and why. But at that right. time, I was just like, "What is something going to happen? When somebody going to die?" <laughs> you know, because I mean, it's a long intro. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the only thing I can really remember as a kid. And I, obviously, as I got older, I appreciated it more and, and liked it more. Yeah. I mean, how, how often do you would you say re, you rewatch this? Uh, usually once a year. I, I usually watch the first two. Usually, like once a year ish. Which is saying something because you don't generally watch horror movies uh often like well this. i don't i don't rewatch a lot of movies often at all I, I usually don't watch any movie every year but i mean obviously yeah. these are my favorites so yeah well yeah i mean this is this is this is i'd say your favorite franchise right so it's fair um all right so let's get into i mean let's say answer this do you say do you catch anything new on rewatches, or have we both watched it enough that we kind of know everything's going on? Um, yeah, I mean, I've pretty much watched everything there is. I mean, the only thing that I do now is I watch the um, like the special edition, the director's cut. Yeah, and I try to figure out what exactly what parts and extended scenes are part of the director's cut and which were part of the theatrical cut. I mean, I've seen it that many times to where like that's the only thing that I can really watch for now. Yeah, um, I mean, and the only. I mean, the only major big difference in the director's cut is that there's a scene um, towards the end where she actually finds people like cocooned up. Interesting. Yeah, which in the original theatrical version did not happen at all. The cocoon stuff didn't happen until Aliens. Um, but there is right. a scene in Alien that was filmed. And it's, it's like, I mean, it's uh, it's not like, you know, like low quality or anything like that. It's it's quality. It was in the cut of the movie until very late. Um, to okay. where. All right, so let's let's get into the highlights. I uh, for me for me the highlights is the atmosphere. It is you feel like this it, when, once it gets going that this is a slasher movie at its core that takes place in space. You know, for me that's that's and, and the, uh, really the creature the creature divine of the alien. Like H.R. Geiger did an amazing work. I think they did everything wonderfully for practical effects, even with jazz hands. Um, it really felt like you were trapped with the crew on the ship. Um, you know, so what, what are your highlights? Um, I mean, highlights of this movie is just the, uh, I like, just I like a lot of space movies that aren't like that stark white, you know, like that lived in kind of real world kind of yeah. looking thing they make the yeah they make the ship look like it's an actual ship that it's been used for you know blue collar work for a long time you know it's it's like right. lived in and dirty and stuff Rimey, yeah. Um, yeah yeah i mean it, it yeah it looks like how space would probably look especially if you you've done this a bunch of times you know if you've ever seen like a a work truck that people you know use exclusively for work over time you know especially yeah. with like manual labor yeah it looks beat the shit and it's dirty <laughs> Yep. Because it's used for work. So essentially, that's what these things are, too. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's just nice to see that. Because, I mean, a lot of space movies, they do, you know, they're always like, you know, stark, white, super clean. <laughs> you know, everything is, you know, shining and, and you know, glinting and everything. And it's nice to right. see it that it's, you know, lived in, stuff like that. It's full I mean. of elbow grease and sweat. 
Yeah, I mean, and now that I mean, just the um, I mean, the dialogue in this movie. I mean, the characters. I mean, everybody's kind of you know has their own you know spot to shine. Um, everybody's got their own unique you know kind of little personality. There's not a whole lot of character development or anything. Right. Um, but it is you know it's it does enough. It, it you know it, it makes you care about the characters enough. Yeah. Right. Uh, low points. What low points? The low point for me in this movie, and it drives me nuts every time I see it, is when the ship is landing on the planet and also when it's taking off. There are landing lights on the bottom of the ship. Yes. They are not in straight lines. And they really, really bother me. Because, like, obviously a ship would have straight, like, lines of lights on the bottom of it, right? This is an engineered machine. Right, it's not thrown together right. by. And so, like, you look at it, yeah, it's look at it, and it's like very obviously it'll go straight for a little bit, and then it'll bow out, <laughs> and then swing back around. So it's like squiggly light lines on the bottom, and that just drives me nuts. You know, <laughs> I don't know, like, I don't know if the model guys, you know, didn't see it or, or you know, didn't see it at the right angle or whatever it is, but those those lights not being in a straight line bother me. But that's yeah, that's my that's fair. <laughs> that's the thing that bothers me every time I watch this. That's fair. Um. I will say my low point is the I have to see something new. I must put my face on it and touch it. Yes, that's part of the plot and drives the plot for it. And I get that. But it's stupid. <laughs> it really is. And we see that so much in this franchise. The uh, stupidity. Yeah. I mean, but again, you know, people don't expect that stuff to happen, especially when you see like a crashed spacecraft that's been there for. You know, yeah. Who knows how many? I mean, at this point, it looks like centuries, right? Right. You don't expect anything to be alive or anything in there. That's fair, but it's like they saw the pilot, and like the pilot was dead for so long, it was fossilized. Yes. So, like, it's been a long time. Yeah, like I said, it's it's just the I don't know what this is. I must touch it. Right. Scenario. Right. Um. <sighs> I know we discussed it briefly. Is it horror? Yes, it it really is. Well, I mean, and this is horror. yeah. This is this is the definition of of sci fi horror. Basically, oh, yeah. I mean, this is this is the thing that most sci fi horror is based on. I would say. Yes. Um. So before we get to our, our ratings of this, let's briefly discuss the timeline of the incubation to the burst chest. Because mm-hmm. you know, we're gonna have to use this as a timeline. Going forward in the Right, right. Yeah. So okay. So Kane gets the thing attached to his face, right? Yep. Um, it takes them probably what, at least an hour to get back to the ship. Oh, absolutely. Um, like, you know, the the surgery and all that probably takes an hour or two, right? Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, so we got uh an hour, you know, back to the ship. Well, I mean, obviously they had to like winch him up that hole and stuff. So I mean, we're right. talking maybe one to two hours, whatever. We'll factor yeah. all this in. So we're talking like, you know, an hour, maybe two to get back to the ship, hour, maybe two for the surgery to try to get it off when they realize they can't. Um, he was sitting there in, in the med bay for quite a while. I mean, there were other conversations had over him, next to him. Um, you know, there was stuff going on. So we'll say, what, at least another, what, two hours. Right. Right. At, at least. Um, so up until the point, you know, and they're just about to get back into um the 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 cryopods to go back traveling out when he woke up right yeah so they said that it would take what approximately you know what 17 hours to fix everything yeah 
So we're ta- we're talking probably realistically maybe like six to eight hours. Yeah. Okay. That's so very, like very yeah, fair. Six six to eight hours from the time that it attaches itself to his face to when he like wakes up and then they eat dinner. Yes. At the very at the very at the very least. It's probably more than that, but again, factoring in the things that happened that we know about, that's what it would be. Yeah. Um now from the time where he wakes up and the time that it bursts is probably only like an hour, maybe two. That's fair, yeah. Because it's pretty quick. Yeah. Um, but like the time where it's attached to his face is is quite a bit of time. Right. Again, that's that's the this is the first movie. <laughs> this is the initial laws that are put down. Yep. I said so we can we'll discuss we'll discuss this franchise as a whole too. And I have a theory as to why it differs a little bit, but we'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. Um so we're doing for our rain systems, we're gonna do a number of chest bursters out of ten. Mm-hmm. Uh realistically for me, uh I'm I'm going nine point five on this, just because it is it's such a classic. It never gets dull on any rewatch, mm-hmm. um, and it like I said, it's on my sci-fi leg for my tattoo. The alien is so I mean it, it's it's a damn near perfect sci-fi horror movie for me. Mm-hmm. How about you? Uh. I'm going to give it a uh, 10, 10 chest bursters out of 10. Cause this is basically the pinnacle of sci-fi horror. I mean, it doesn't yeah. get any better than this. This is like, you know, the masterwork version of all the other movies that people are trying to make. It's Gary movies in space. This is the original one that they're basing it off of. That's fair. You know what? I'm going to change mine to a 10. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't disagree. Yeah. It, it's, it's that good. It really is. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, yeah, this is like your, your basic, like, you know, suspense thriller slasher. Um, mm-hmm. This is, again, for 10 out of 10 for that. Yes. I mean, arguably, what, the fourth or fifth slasher that we know as a whole? Because this came out before, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, before Friday the 13th. So mm-hmm. for it being a slasher in 1979, we're talking very early slasher days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we're talking Halloween only came out a year before. Right. And Black Christmas, five years before that. Arguably, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, five years before that as well. So, yeah, I mean, the number of slashers, not very high at this point. (laughs) No, no. All right, so let's, that leads us into the sequel in 1986, Aliens. Go ahead, take that away. All right, so yes. Uh, aliens. So, uh, yeah, after uh, Ripley successfully, uh, you know, ejects the the escape pod shuttle um, from the Nostromo, the Nostromo blows up, she knocks it out of the airlock, um, she goes into hypersleep and hopefully, you know, drifts back to Earth was the goal, right? Yeah. Um, so essentially, uh, the beginning of this movie is, you know, there's a ship zooming in on, on that ship. Um, they like, you look inside of it and there's lots of like space dust. I don't even know what to call it. Is it like supposed to be ice crystals or dust ice or crystals. Two or whatever it is? Ice I call crystals, it, I, I call it space dust. That's fair. 
Uh, but there's space dust all over everything, like a thick layer of it. Like it's been there for a while. Um, they, they show like they cut the door open. There's like a weird scanner thing that comes in. Um, these guys come in, see that, oh, there's a, there's a person alive in here. Oh, there goes our salvage, right? So this is apparently a salvage team. Um, and then she, they bring her, well, surely that happens off screen. They bring her back to like the gateway station, which is like the big space station that's outside of Earth. Yep. Um, and, you know, she wakes up. Um, and she's talking to this company guy whose name is Burke Carter J. Yep. Um, played play by Paul Reiser, which is an interesting choice at this point in time because he was like a comedic actor at the time. Yes, very much so. Um, yeah. So he, though he plays he plays the company man. Um, and they're like kind of going over everything, and she's like, "Oh, how long was I asleep?" Um, and he basically tells her fifty-seven years. Yes. So she's been, yeah, she's been asleep and drifting for 57 years and they finally found her like way out there, you know, past the outer rim, which who knows what that means in this franchise. Clearly not towards her. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, way out there. Um, and then of course, you know, she starts going to convulsions and, you know, chest bursters coming out of her chest. And then of course she wakes up as a nightmare. Um, but she is in actually um, in the gateway station. She has been asleep for 57 years. It's just, you know, that was a dream, obviously showing that she's still afraid of what happened to her crew in the first oh, so it was just It was just an hour ago for Right, her. yeah, yeah. For her, this is like, yeah, a, what, a couple days ago? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm going to go over the, the special edition version of this just because I think it's a superior version of the film. I know, yeah, I know and you that's, do. <laughs> and that's, I, I always just watch the special edition. I know, I've seen them both enough times to know what the differences are, but I'm just going to include the, the special edition stuff just because, again, I think it makes a better film anyway. Uh, um, so, yeah, at this point, we, you find out that Ripley had a daughter. Um, she's, you know, asked the company guy to find out about her daughter. Um, her daughter has died, you know, two years before, but her daughter was like 60 something. Because obviously she's been, you know, in sleep for 57 years and her daughter was like 10 years old when she left. So, yes. Um, yeah, so her daughter lived a full life, no children, no anything. So she doesn't really have any connections um, to Earth anymore. No more family, nothing like that. Anyway, she goes into this meeting. Um, it's all these company people and insurance people and all that um, to go over what happened in the original ship. Um, obviously, she's going over you know her story about the alien that killed everybody and that she had to escape and blow the ship up to to protect her. Uh, obviously, these people do not believe her at all. I mean, there's no evidence, there's no proof that any of this happened, that nothing like this alien has ever been found or described or anything like that. Um, so basically, they just kind of don't believe her. They think that maybe, you know, something happened for sure, but they don't trust her version of events. So essentially, they like demote her and fire her, um, but they don't put charges on her. That's like as as good as it gets at this point. Yeah. Um. So she yeah, she corners the guy like, hey, like this is you know this this it really exists. You you have to like you know make sure that this doesn't happen again. He's like, oh, I don't have to worry about it. She's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, there's people that have been living on that planet for a long time. They never found anything. There's and, people there. Yeah. They're like, there's people there. Like, how many? And he's like, yeah, sixty to seventy families. Yeah. Okay. So now she's like, oh man, there's families on this planet. Um. And then, you know, whatever, it just kind of cuts out. Um, and we, we cut back to a couple of weeks later. Um, they don't really say how much time, 
but I, I'm, I'm guessing maybe a month ish, maybe maybe two. That's fair. Um, so she has, she's like living in what appears to be the slums of the station because the hallways are very dirty. Yes. Um, and she has a door. It's a space door that is still on hinges, which is very odd, to <laughs> me, right? Like space doors are always like you push a button and they open. And this is like, yeah, literally it's like a, a hinged space door, but it's like, it's shaped like, you know, the octagon space doors are, but it's on hinges yeah. with a knob and everything. It's very odd. Anyway, so you know you're in the space slums when you still have engine. Um, yeah, so uh, Burt Carter J, the uh, <clears throat> the company guy, comes over with this like military dude. Um, they they go to her house. They come in. Uh, basically, he tells her they've lost contact with the colony. Um, they don't know why. They don't know what's going on. But they want her to go with. They're going to send a military unit there to to investigate what's going on. And they want her to go with to advise in case those alien things are there. They want her to go and advise and, you know, and basically, you know, help the troops or the people understand what they're dealing with when they're there. Because she's the only one who's ever experienced it. I mean, Grant, not a lot of knowledge about it, but I guess it's right. better than nothing. But right? yeah, yeah, I guess <laughs> something, anything, right? I mean, you never know when some little tiny piece of information is going to be relevant, especially in a situation like that. That's fair. Um, yeah. So anyway, she says no, and she kicks him out. Um, and then she has a nightmare again, wakes up covered in sweat, um, you know, clutching her chest again. Uh, so basically she calls him and she says, okay, you know, I'll go, but you have to promise me that you're going to kill him. You're not going to try to study him and bring him back. Um, you're going to kill them all. Cause that's, that's, you know, again, with the Nostromo, um, you know, they were, the crew was expendable. The, the specimen was to come back at all costs. And she was like, you know, don't do that. Go there to kill it. Save the colonists. I will help you do that, but don't try to bring it back to study it. And he, and he promises her. Uh, and then we go. Um, and then, you know, we cut to uh, the spaceship, uh, the USS Salako, which is like yeah. a big spaceship. I mean, it's got tons of guns and stuff all over. It's obviously like a gunship of some kind. Um, they have the long pan scene over, you know, all their guns and all their equipment and, you know, space, you know, ships and all that stuff. Uh, and then they show them all waking up from cryosleep. We're all kind of introduced to all the Marines. Um, I mean, there's a whole bunch of them. I'm not going to go through all of them. <laughs> I do know other names, but I won't, I won't, I won't go through all of them because I don't want to waste that much time. Um, but yeah, so they're all like, you know, doing their things. We're kind of getting to know, um, you know, some of the people like, uh, you know, Vasquez is there. Obviously she's like one of the more prominent ones. Uh, we got yeah. Hicks, we got Hudson, the loudmouth, by played by Bill Paxton. <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah, Hicks by Michael Bean. Uh Interesting thing is Michael Bean was not the first choice. Um, there was actually a different actor that was cast in the role and was actually been filming for a while and Uh-oh. then fell off the wagon <laughs> and got so heavily into heroin that he couldn't continue filming and they had to fire him and then hire Michael Bean. Um Because James Cameron knew him from The Terminator, which they had just finished like two years earlier. Right. Um, so he was able to come in and do it. Do you know who the actor originally was? No. James Reamer. Oh, I've heard that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he got fired off of the movie. So, like, you know, on, on Hicks's armor, they all have, like, kind of personalized armor with, like, you know, symbols and names and words and shit on them, you know, just to kind of personalize them. So, like, the one with the heart with the little lock that Hicks has on his on his armor. Yeah. That was actually done by James Reamer. <laughs> Who had like a whole little you know backstory for why he did that, which obviously he didn't tell Michael Bean, but Michael Bean was that character, so he got that armor. Nice. 
yeah, it's it's yeah, it's an interesting thing. Anyway. <clears throat> um yeah, so we're all kind of introduced to them. Um, you know, they're all kind of waking up. Um they sit down and they're eating, you know, their their mess hall is again, like you said, when you wake up from cryosleep, you all have to go eat breakfast, right? <laughs> yep. Um so they're all eating breakfast, you know, again, we're all just getting to know the different, you know, Marines and stuff like that. You know, we see like the lieutenant guy is kind of like this stuck up dude um, who doesn't eat with the rest of everybody else ex- ex- exposition breakfast yes <laughs> right 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 uh so you know, of, of course we got a uh, an android played by lance hendrickson uh, whose name is bishop um he does like the the knife trick to, to hudson's hand where you know he does the five finger yep. fillet you know whatever does it super fast um that's when ripley notices that he's an android because he cuts he nicks himself a little bit and he's got his milk blood and um, she so, freaks. Yeah, she freaks oh, out because I mean, at this point, what it was just a couple of months earlier, she was tried to be murdered by an android, <laughs> right? That's so, I mean, fair. again, fair. yeah, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be a little worried about it too. But Bishop is, you know, pretty cool about it. He's like, he's like, just stay the hell away from me. So he just like gets up and leaves. I mean, he doesn't make a scene about it. He just walks away. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, he, he obviously he makes a rule that he follow uh, Asimov's laws of robotics. <laughs> That he cannot, you know, harm or by course of action allow to be harmed a human being, which is one of the three rules in Asimov's robotic. Yep. <clears throat> um, yeah. So anyway, then we cut to, you know, there's a big kind of uh, like briefing, I guess. So where everybody's standing there, they tell them what the reason they're there for is that they lost contact with the colony. Um, they have to figure out what's going on. Ripley is there as a advisor and they try to have Ripley, you know, describe what you know, the alien is, and she gets, uh, you know, not too far into the story. She basically recounts the the story of alien, the first one, um, to the point where, you know, Kane is eating dinner with them and it bursts out of his chest to where she kind of gets choked up. I mean, understandably, this is still pretty fresh for her, even though it's 57 years later. Right. Um, you know, so they just kind of interrupt her with their kind of badass talk, you know, I just need to know where they are, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, so, like, the you know, lieutenant is seeing that, you know, they're kind of getting rowdy and out of hand and not really, you know, acting as true Marines should. So he gives them, I'm guessing, accelerated timelines. Obviously, we don't know what these things mean. But by their reactions to them, we can guess that there's not a lot of time to get this stuff done. Um, just to kind of, you know, knock them back into discipline, whatever. Um, so they get all their stuff ready. They all get on their little armored car. They get into the, uh, the drop ship, which is, it just looks like, uh, I don't know. It doesn't really. Have, it doesn't really have wings or anything. It's just kind of like a bus. That's like, yeah. That's that's like, that's, a, bus, that's like a bus with missiles on it and a tail. Yeah. Yep. Uh, um. Yeah. So they're uh they all jump on the on the dropship and they and they land on the planet. Um. They fly around the complex. You know the complex is there. Lights are on. Um. Obviously they don't see any people or movement or anything. Um. But they're like, okay, let's let's you know check it out. So they land, um, they all go into the complex, they're looking around and they see uh, barricades, you know, stuff is broken down. I mean, there's holes in the, in the floor and the walls from acid burns. So like the aliens that Ripley described has obviously been here, um, but there's no one there. They can't find anyone. Um, you know, they basically, you know, kind of go through all of, you know, med bay. They see there's a couple of the, the face huggers that are, that are still alive. There's a bunch more that are dead. Um, and you see that, you know, you kind of get a little bit of an idea of what was going on is that they were dealing with a full on infestation. Um, and, the, and the ones that were alive were surgically removed from people, but the people died in the process. So like yeah. they never did figure out a way to get them off. 
Um, but yeah, so it looks like there was like a, some kind of fight. Um, but you know, nobody knows what's happening. <clears throat> um, there, there was this, uh, there's a little bit of a scene in the, in that special edition where they actually show the guy who goes out to the ship originally and gets a face hugger on him, but it's a really, you don't really need that yeah. <laughs> to yeah. know what, what happened. Um, so yeah, so they, they kind of secure everything. Um, you know, they're like, hey, we don't know what's, what's going on. Um, but you know, they, they keep, you know, they're looking through the computer, trying to find out where these people are, whatever. Um, and then they, they get some movement, um, and they go to check it out what it is. And they find uh, a little girl, like a 10 year old little girl who Ripley crime climbs into the ducts to, to pull out, um, who is at first mute. Um, but then eventually does talk after being shown some, some kindness by Ripley. Um, we found out her name is Newt and that she's been surviving in there from, uh, I mean, all intents and purposes for how dirty and stuff she is, maybe a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's fair, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she talks a little bit, you know, she, they basically find out that, yeah, aliens took her parents and her brother and everybody that she knows and she's been, surviving by hiding in the air vents you know because you know she knows when they come out and she when just do they come hide. out i don't know you don't know when they're tired <laughs> 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 yes yes they mostly come out at night mostly, mostly. yes um <clears throat> hence the title of our podcast <laughs> <laughs> right um yeah so they're like okay well you know there's nothing really here we got to find the people um, so they're basically looking in the computers. They're looking for like these little transmitters that all the colonists have, you know, implanted yep. in them. Um, so they're searching through and they find them all. And they're all on like the other side of the complex, like inside of the like atmosphere processor, because the planet is not, doesn't have breathable air. Um, but they're, they're processing the atmosphere to like, to make it breathable. Is it um, also, is it also part reactor or no, they just, well, I think it's, I think the, the reaction that they need to make that happen is like a nuclear fusion type. Right. Of thing. Cause they're yeah. like, you know, whatever fusing or, you know, dismantling molecules in the air or whatever the fuck they're doing, whatever yeah. it is, it's nuclear in some way. It's space technology. I don't know. It's an explosive room. Right. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> space, space high technology. I don't, yeah, I don't know how it works, but there is nuclear something involved. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So they find them all. They're all underneath the the big reactor. Um, so they they have to go over there. There's no direct route there, so they have to drive the truck over there. Um, and then they have to get to like a stairway and then go down. Yep. Um, there's a little bit of a plot hole. I'll get into in a second. Um, yeah. So <laughs> they go down to uh, to sub level three. Um, and this is where they find out that um, there's like some kind of hive going on. There's like all this like secreted resin stuff all over the walls. Um, but yeah, it looks like, you know, a Geiger painting. Oh right? yeah. Everything is all like, you know, bioorganic kind of like, you know, beehive looking stuff all over the walls. Um, yeah. yeah, so they're going in there. Um, obviously they're, everybody is like, you know, nervous about what's going on. Um, they do find a couple of like hatched eggs and like skeletonized face huggers. Um, so like, you know, obviously Ripley knows that this is, you know, <laughs> the same yeah. kind of thing. Right. And then this is about where they discover, like, hey, you're in a nuclear reactor, right? You know, like, what are those guns shoot? And they find out that they're like explosive rounds. Right. So, like, if they shoot the wrong thing in there, it's going to be a nuclear explosion and everybody (laughs) dies. So they essentially say, you know, hey, there can't be any shooting in there, which, of course, everybody's like, what? Right, that would, yeah, the be, space that would Marines, be too. Right, the space Marines are upset they can't shoot their guns. Yes. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> I would be too. That's your job. Your You're job right. is to shoot people, and you don't. And now you can't shoot people. 
Um, so yeah, so they, they unload all their guns, um, you know, and they basically, you know, they can't use grenades, can't use their guns, blah, blah, blah. The only thing they can use is their incinerators that they have because they, they won't explode. They just light things on fire. So apparently those are okay. Now that everyone lo- drop all their guns. Well, I mean, of course not, but, right. um, so you have Hicks <laughs> has a, an old school shotgun. Um, that he keeps and they obviously they're okay with that because it's not explosive and a couple of them have like handguns which are apparently don't have explosive bullets so those are okay because um, they show a couple of them using those and carrying them yeah. around yes um but uh yeah vasquez and drake who are the two like heavy gunners they have like the the big smart guns that are on like steady cam mounts <laughs> Oh yeah, that, um, they're definitely steady cam mounts. 100%. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's what they are. <laughs> um, and so they like they they don't even like take out like a clip or anything. They just like take the battery out of it or something. Yeah. Um. So they they both hand their batteries to the guy, and then like as soon as he turns around, they both take out another battery and put it in. So like their their smart guns are still well, yeah, they're the M fifty two smart guns is what they're called. Um, yeah. so they're, they're still ready to go, which is again odd that if they were unloaded the way that they were walking around with them is like they were acting like they were loaded. So like, yeah. wouldn't you realize that, Hey, they're still walking and pointing them forward as if they're live. I mean, this gun is huge enough to where you can't do anything else other than hold it. I, yeah, that, that thing would have to weigh a ton. <laughs> right. It'd right. have to weigh a, <laughs> a right. lot. Right. Anyway. So, um, yeah, so they can't have any shooting in there. So yeah, they're, they're kind of, you know, creeping into this place. Um, then they start to find the colonists, um, cocooned into the walls yep. um so they're all like you know in there they find a bunch more eggs and stuff like that so obviously you know these people have been cocooned up and you know face huggers and you know this is where all the aliens have come from um and they're going through and eventually they find a woman who is alive um and, and ripley is having you know kind of flashbacks she's back in the apc like watching this through the the cameras um, the lieutenant guy, uh, the company guy, and Ripley and Newt are all back in the in the truck, watching this over the cameras. They all have cameras mounted to their helmets. Correct. You have the, um, you have the guy. You have the guy at the, at the chair. Right, Gorman. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, they basically. Uh. Yeah, she is still alive, and she starts saying, "Kill me." Um. You know, and she's you know, and Ripley immediately, um. You know, gets you know, kind of misty eyed and and shocked by it. Um. They don't alien one in the original theatrical version. They don't have a scene where somebody says, kill me, but in the director's cut, they do. Um, she finds Dallas um, cocooned up and he says, kill me. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise there is not a scene in that, but otherwise just about every other alien movie, there's a scene where somebody's cocooned up and they say, kill me. That's some fair. way, shape or form. That's fair. <clears throat> um, so, uh, yeah, she says, kill me. They're all like, you know, oh, no, we'll get you out of here. We'll get you some help. Uh, you know, obviously convulsions. The chest burster comes out. Um, they kind of freak out and they shoot the flamethrower at it. Yep. And so they they kill the chest burster thing. But obviously the aliens were not upset about it. And now you see a lot of movement everywhere. So like all the stuff, a lot of the stuff you thought was just walls was just like aliens, like hibernating in the walls. Um, so they're moving all over the place. You know, they start getting movement on their their motion trackers um you know it's coming from everywhere they don't know specifically where it's coming from they're trying to look for them through infrared they can't see them you know they're like oh maybe they don't show up on infrared at all uh and then they start grabbing people yeah <laughs> uh, they start grabbing people <laughs> you know they they grab the guy with all the ammo <laughs> um and then he gets hit with the flamethrower thing so all of their ammo explodes um you know 
I think a couple people near them die. I mean, it's yeah, it's a it's chaos, right? So there's the, the the smart gun, you know, Vasquez and Drake. They start shooting, and of course, everybody's like, you know, who the hell is shooting? And Gorman is freaking out. The sergeant, oh, yes, <laughs> yeah, the sergeant is like can't hear what anybody's saying because there's fire and stuff going on. So the, the lieutenant is trying to tell him to fall back and how to fall back, and he can't hear him. Uh, sergeant gets you know grabbed, <laughs> killed essentially. Uh, you know, so he's trying to tell everybody else. Nobody else is is paying attention. They're asking him for help. He can't answer. He like locks up. Um, so yeah, there's all kinds of like cut scenes of like their helmet cameras, seeing people dying and shooting, and you know fire chaos everywhere. Um, so yeah, they're they're basically saying that we're they're gonna watch them all die unless they do something. Um, yeah. So Ripley is like telling him like do something, and he's like, no, oh, you know, uh, it's fine, it's fine. You know, they're you know, I told them to fall back. And then obviously they're not doing anything. So Ripley takes it into her own hands. She knocks, she locks Newt in like the little seat and then she grabs the controls and then just starts driving. It's very obvious. She doesn't know how to drive this truck, this APC thing, uh, but she's driving it. And then, you know, Burke, the company man is actually like, you know, tells Gorman to sit down, you know, surprisingly. Right. Um, And then she drives, you know, into the, uh, the facility, she drives through a bunch of pipes and all the, the hive stuff to make a hole. Um, and then the, all the other people are able to get to her and then escape. Well, they, they get into escape and basically just about everybody's dead at this point. <laughs> so um, the one little plot hole that will bring out is that when they found the hive, they were on sub level three. Yeah. The truck was parked on level one. So if the truck drove forward and crashed through a bunch of pipes, it would still be on level one. Yes. They never went back up the stairs. Didn't, did they? No, (laughs) they did not. She crashed through hive stuff and pipes on level one. So like essentially they, they teleported a minor, very minor. I'm not, I'm just, again, I've seen this movie so many damn times that I I noticed little things like that. Like, huh? Yeah. That's level one. Anyway, so we get back into the ship. So at this point, we have, um, you know, obviously Ripley, Newt, um, Burke, the company man, Gorman, because they were on the truck the whole time. Um, as far as Marines, we have Hicks, we have Hudson, we have Vasquez. Yes. And that's it. <laughs> Those are the only ones that survived. Drake almost made it. He dr- he died right outside the door. <laughs> and it was enough to, like, they started, you know, he, he shot his flamethrower inside of the APC. Um, and then yeah, they had to shoot Hicks had to shoot one of the aliens, you know, as it was trying to open up the door, which ended up burning Hudson's arm. But, you know, they're mostly OK. So they close the door. They get the hell out of there. Um, they break their truck in the process. I think they say like they, they broke the transaxle or something, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they get out of the truck. They're far enough away. Um, they're outside. Uh, apparently the air is breathable because they're fine. Yep. Um, so yeah, they're, they're outside. Uh, they're basically like, uh, you know, we need to get, you know, what do we do? Like at this point, like what the hell can we do? And they're like, you know, coming up with all these different plans. Like, oh, we'll just roll a bunch of nerve gas in there. It's like, yeah, that's a great idea, but we don't know if nerve gas is going to hurt them. Like, yeah, that's, that's a good plan. You know, we don't have enough firepower to, to go in there and wipe them out or anything. Um, I mean, like, what can we do other than, than run away? But I mean, look at what they did to all these colonists. What they did to us. Like, you know, what, what should we do? And Ripley is basically says, yeah, just go up to the ship and just nuke this whole place from orbit. Yep. 
Oh, yeah. And, and Burke is like, yeah, hey, let's not do that. You know, this is a, a very important species. You know, we shouldn't just wipe them out. You know, it's not our call to wipe them out. And then Ripley brings up that, you know, this entire thing is under military control. Um, Gorman he has no, he has no yeah. power there. Right. Well, yeah, Gorman had gotten knocked out during the whole scuffle. Um, so he's knocked out. So the next commanding person in line is Hicks because he's a corporal. Yep. Um, so, yeah, technically he is in charge at that time. So he gets to make the call and he agrees with Ripley. He says, let's go up to the ship. We'll nuke this entire place from orbit. So Burke is obviously not happy, but he can't do anything about it. Um, so they call the drop ship who had been you know, waiting at, a, at the other facility, um, waiting for them to come back. Um, they, you know say, we need a immediate evac, we need to get out of here, we're going back up to the ship. So she says, okay. Um, they go to pick them up. Uh, the one guy gets back on the ship because there's a pilot and a co-pilot. Um, co-pilot gets back on the ship, sees some goo, <laughs> and he's like, oh, wait, there's something here. And she's like, whatever, we got to go get up here. Um, so, yeah, he goes up there. The door opens. She turns around to, to yell at him for taking so long, and it's an alien. And the alien kills her, the pilot, and apparently it already killed the other guy. Um, and so the ship starts you know, rolling around in the sky. Obviously they think, you know, they see something's bad. They go run and hide. Uh, the ship crashes and explodes. And, you know, not only does it destroy that ship, it destroys the truck. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know, the truck was more or less intact, obviously other than the transactional thing, but the truck itself was fine. Um, so in the crash, that truck got taken out. Um, they did manage to survive the crash, but at this point now they're totally screwed. They don't have any way off of there. They don't even have a truck to hide in. They got nothing. Um, so they're again, they're trying to figure out what they should do. And at this point, they're like, well, let's just get back in the facility. And they just like, you know, lock it down. Um, so they get back in the facility. Um, you know, they lock, you know, they lock all shut all the shutters and the windows and stuff. And then and they basically barricade themselves all in. Um, this is another departure from the, the theatrical version is that um, in the special edition, they have the sentry guns. Yeah, um, are like the one good thing they managed to rescue from the APC disaster. Right. They they yep. got some rifles and some ammo, not a lot, but some. They have a couple incinerators. Um, you know, nothing yeah. great. Two but the, sentry guns or three sentry guns? Four. Four. Okay. Yes, they <laughs> they got four. So that was like the one good thing that they did. So then they basically go over the schematics and they're like, okay, you know, we'll weld up these, you know, ducts here. We'll you know put barricades here. We'll weld these doors closed. Um, we'll put the sentry guns here, you know, because these are the places that we think they're going to come through first. Um, and then we just have to, like, you know, wait it out. Right. They're essentially putting the sentry guns at the bottlenecks, try to fill, you know, right. make everything come through those bottlenecks. Right. Yeah. So they're like, okay, well, you know, we have to, you know, get out of here. So we ha- we can just sit here and and wait, <laughs> um, you know, and we just have to kind of hold them off. And at that point, it, they, they were fairly confident that they could, you know, because they had the schematics. They were like, okay, we know what we're dealing with. Um, we can do that. So as they're setting everything up and they get everything all locked in, um, the Bishop, who was still alive, but was still back in the facility, uh, the android, he calls them in uh, to look at something. And they're like, okay, what are we looking for? And he points at it. Um, the atmospheric processor, the big nuclear reactor is emergency venting. <laughs> which means that all the fire and shooting and stuff that they did in there did indeed hit the coolant lines and the place will be exploding. Yes. Um, and, and they say that's like about four hours. <laughs> and they're like, okay, well, how long can we expect a rescue? And they're like, well, 17 days. 
We're like, okay, well, that's <laughs> they, yeah, that's not going to work, you know. So obviously, we need a new plan. So yeah, like the uh, APC had their transmitter for talking to the the main ship in orbit, uh, so they can't do that. So they find out. Well, we use the transmitter for the colony, but the you know the the hardware between them and the and the satellite is trashed. So somebody has to go out to the satellite, realign it, and then communicate to the ship, and then remote pilot another ship down. Yep. Um, so Bishop, you know, obviously is the only one that can do that. So he volunteers and he has to crawl down this really, really long, small pipe. Yeah. Um, very claustrophobic. Which, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't be able to, well, I mean, I doubt I would be able to fit in there, but <laughs> I don't know if I, even if it was when I could fit in, I don't think I could do it. I would probably get stuck halfway and start crying. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, so anyway, so he's going to go out there and do that. They just have to like, um, hold everything down. Uh, until then, um, we get one scene with the sentry guns at this point um, to where they two sentry guns completely run out of ammo, killing them. And then they come up to the door, the pressure door. They welded shut. Um, they're unable to get past it. But, you know, at least they, you know, stopped them or wasted their time. So now they're they're still poking more um, at this point. uh <sighs> We get some scenes with uh, Ripley and Newt where she's trying to convince her to, you know, go to sleep and take a nap. Um, eventually, uh, Hicks has the same scene with Ripley where he's trying to convince her to take a nap as well. Um, she kind of eventually does. Um, but first, they have a conversation about the kind of nature of, of the aliens. Um, and they're talking about, like, how they're kind of acting like a beehive or like an ant hive. Um, and they're like, okay, so these are like the drones or the workers, um, you know, and there's all these eggs, like what's laying the eggs. They're like, well, I don't know, you know, it must be something we haven't seen yet, but you know, it's the first hint that there's, you know, some kind of queen that's laying all these eggs. But there's, there's actually a hierarchy to right, the, right. the species. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, so the, the, there's a scene between, uh, her and Hicks where they, you know, he teaches her how to use the gun, the M41A pulse rifle that they have. <laughs> Um, you know, she learns how to use the, the gun and the grenade launcher and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then she decides to go take a nap with Newt. Yep. Um, and it, she finds Newt under the bed, you know, because again, she still hasn't gotten over her trauma yet. So she's sleeping under the bed, hiding, um, you know, under the covers and everything. Um, so she, you know, snuggles up with her. She takes a nap. Um, they wake up. She sees an empty container on the ground that is one of the containers from uh, the med lab where the uh the face huggers were kept so she immediately knows something is really really wrong um she goes to grab her gun which she left on top of the bed the gun is not there yep um so they they uh go to to get up uh one of the alien things runs right at him um she manages to trap it under the bed like she flips the bed over on top of it um they try to open up the door the doors are locked um you know they're like waving at the camera cuz they have cameras in there um you know, that they're monitoring. Uh, Hicks is talking to Bishop at the time, and then Burke shuts off the camera to make sure that he doesn't see it. Dun, um, dun, dun. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, they, they can't um, signal um, to get help at all. So she comes up with the idea of, you know, let's, I'll, I'll light my lighter underneath the sprinklers um, to, to start, you know, to set off the fire alarm. So she sets off the fire alarm. Everybody runs to, to help. And while that's happening, um, and you know, a face hugger jumps at her. Um, so she's like, she manages to get her arms up. So it doesn't like go all the way around her head, but it's getting, it's almost there. Yeah. 
Um, and then Newt has one that's coming after her, but she's like pushing it back. And it's like its tail is caught in like a cart against the wall. Um, yeah, so they basically get there. They have to shoot out the window. They go in. Um, they kill the one that Newt is holding back. Um, and they manage to pull off the one off of Ripley. And then they kill that one, too. Um, you know, Ripley says it was Burke. Um, and then they have a scene where they're like, you know, what's going on, you know, with this. And they basically find out that Burke was the one who sent the colonists to the ship after, you know, he talked to Ripley. Um, and they, he found out about that company, um, you know, command to send people out to look at that ship or whatever. Um, so they sent, he sent the people out there to look at the ship. So basically everything that happened there is his responsibility because he's the one who sent them there and started the whole thing. Um, so not only did he do that, but he also, um, you know, tried to, to get Ripley and Newt, um, I, I guess impregnated. Is that, is that the word? <laughs> Yeah, that's both um, impregnated. Yeah, to get there impregnated with with aliens so that they could bring them back, um, you know, through, you know, in the ship, you know, freeze them in cryo sleep in the ship and bring them back to the company labs. Yes. Um, and then you know, it's kind of a stretch, but I guess it would have to happen is where Burke would have to like sabotage everyone else's sleep tube. Um, I mean, I guess I, I, he definitely has it in him, but I guess at at this point in time, I guess it's kind of a stretch, but I guess she's pissed. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, it, it all makes sense. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So they're like, okay, well, what do we do? Okay, we should kill him. <laughs> you know, that's like the immediate thing. And then Ripley's like, no, 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 wait, we have to bring him back. And then the power gets cut. And they're like, well, you know, well, they cut the power. Like, what do you mean they cut the power? They're animals. Like, how do they know how to cut the power? Uh, yeah, so they cut the power. Uh, so they basically go out to check the perimeter to see what's going on. They start picking up movement on their trackers. Um, you know, they basically figure out that they're inside of their perimeter. Uh, they don't know how they got in, but they all retreat back to like their main base um, in the operations center. Um, and the, and the, the, you know, the, the movement keeps getting closer and closer and closer. It gets to the point where it's inside of the room. <laughs> and they're like, well, obviously we're not seeing anything. Like what's going on? Uh, and then they figure out they're like, oh, no. And they look up and they see like the ceilings, like a drop ceiling. Yep. And so Hicks goes up there and looks and yeah, they're all like crawling upside down in the ceiling. Oh so yeah. He, so he falls down. Uh, they all start shooting. Everybody starts shooting. You know, aliens are flying everywhere. Explosions, gunfire. Um, and they go to run into the next area, you know, to kind of lock the door behind them. Burke goes in there, locks the door in front of them. Um, so yep. they can't get through. So they have to spend time like, you know, cutting their way through the door. Uh, while they're still fighting, um, Hudson goes down during this fight. Um, they, everybody manages to make it into the kind of like little room between the two doors because oh, they get past that first locked door. They lock that door behind them. And then Burke locks the other door <laughs> next to him. So they have to cut through that door too. Um, as they're trying to cut through that door, Burke gets, you know, attacked and killed on the other side, but they don't know that. They essentially just see, okay, this door is locked. This door, they're coming through. We have to get out of here. So Newt shows them um, the air duct entrance. Um, so they go through there. And she's, you know, because obviously she's been everywhere in this air duct system. She's lived in it for weeks. So she knows how to get to the airfield, right? Because at this point, the ship is coming down. Uh, where, yeah. You know, Bishop's getting the ship down there. So they're going to go yep. to Bishop through the air ducts. Uh, they're going through the air ducts. The aliens are chasing them the whole time. Um we lose uh, Vasquez and Gorman at this point because um, they all run out of ammo and they kind of blow themselves up with a grenade. Uh, 
you know, as the aliens are closing in on him. Um, from that blast, <laughs> Newt falls into the another air duct. I mean, just like this ridiculous scene where she just like falls, like literally rolls herself out of her jacket. I mean, it's like very obviously done on purpose, but I guess whatever. Yeah. The kid. <laughs> um <clears throat> so yeah, she falls to the next level down. Um, so they're not able uh to just escape. So they basically go down because uh, that's Ripley and Hicks are the only one left. Ripley, Hicks, and Newton are the only one that left at this point. Um, so they, Bishop. Well, yeah, Bishop, but yeah. he's he's not in this <laughs> running situation. <laughs> um, so they uh, go down um, to that next level. They find her under, you know, she's like underneath the floor in like water. Um, they have to cut through the floor. So they, they cut through the floor. As they're cutting through the floor, an alien comes up, grabs Newt, um, and takes her away. So by the time they get the floor cut open, she's gone. Um, and you know, she's like all screaming, like, Oh, they don't kill you. They just, you know, they cocoon you up. Um, you know, we, we have to go find her, even though she's used the argument herself, like they're already dead before. Yes. But, but I it's guess Newt. it's, yeah, I guess it's Newt. She's well, Newt's close to what her daughter's age was when she last left. Her. Right. And see, and this is again why the special edition makes more sense to me is because if you're watching the theatrical edition, you don't get any of that her daughter stuff. Right. All that's cut out. So you don't get why she cares so much about this girl. I mean, obviously, you know, it, it's a girl, it's a kid, right? You you care about helping children, but to her, it's a special bond because she's like the same age as her daughter was. Right. And now she knows that her daughter is dead. So now she's like kind of latching on to this, you know, essentially orphan child that reminds right. her a lot of her own daughter anyway. So yeah, so she decides she's going to go save him. Um, so they escape as they're getting onto the elevator to go, uh, you know, up to the ship. Um, an alien gets in that, uh, Hicks shoots in with a shotgun again. Uh, and it gets acid all over his chest and all over his face. Um, and he's alive, but he is not doing well. <laughs> um, so they get there. Um, they get Hicks on the ship. Um, you know, Bishop is going to fly the ship. Uh, and then Ripley goes all commando style, you know, starts grabbing all the weapons. So she's got a pulse rifle that she duct tapes to a, a flamethrower. Um, she gets like all these harnesses full of grenades and bandoliers and flares and all this stuff. So she gets all suited up. Um, so basically she has Bishop fly over to their nest. Um, and then she basically, uh, you know, one man army. <laughs> she goes down, um, you know, to the the nest, and she goes looking for uh, Newt. Uh, oh yeah, th- sorry. There's a little bit of a subplot there where there's a little locator watch thing that they have, so that they know they can locate each other. And anyway, Newt was wearing it, so she thought she could use that to find her. This is fair. Yeah, yeah. which is how they found her under the grate earlier. Whatever. It's just a little, yeah. just a little MacGuffin, yeah. so how they can find people. Um, so, yeah, so anyway, she goes through there. Um, she, you know, she uses the flares to mark everywhere she turns. Um, and she does find the watch, but it's just on the ground. Like Newt is nowhere around. So she starts crying. Um, she hears Newt scream. Um, so she knows that, okay, well, there's Newt. Something bad's probably happening. So she runs over. She finds Newt just as the egg is opening and the face hugger's coming out. Um, she shoots the face hugger. She shoots the other kind of drone aliens that come out to stop her. Um, and she pulls Newt out, um, and then they're running out of there. Um, and then as they're running out of there, they basically find this like open, big, wide open area um, that's like strangely, oddly quiet. And then the, this is where they find the queen. Yes. So it's like this giant, huge queen with like this big, huge, you know, just like a, 
a bee queen, like this giant egg laying machine attached to the queen. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she's like, you know, kind of sort of communicating to the queen, like, Hey, if you don't leave us alone, I'm going to burn all your eggs. The queen seems to understand. She calls off her drone guys. Um, and they're just kind of backing up. Like they're going to, you know, just pass like two ships in the night. Right. Um, but then as, as they're backing up, um, you know, two of the eggs open up. Um, and so at this point, Ripley's like, okay, she's going to try to get us anyway. So she starts lighting everything on fire. The nursery. Yes. Yeah. So she, nursery. Right. Yeah. She lights all <laughs> the eggs on fire. She starts shooting grenades into the queen's big egg, this laying Back, machine yeah, thing, whatever yeah. the hell it is. Um, yeah, she kills all the drones that come after her. Um, she basically uses all of her ammo. <laughs> and throws what's left of the grenade bandolier into the fire, which then explodes everything. Um, and then she runs towards the uh, towards the elevator. Um, then we see that the queen is angry enough to where she like rips the egg stuff off of herself, and then basically pursues her um, as like you know the the fighting queen. Yeah, I don't know whatever you describe. I don't know her normal body uh, besides the giant bee. <laughs> egg laying egg, thing yeah right. the egg the egg abdomen right yeah, <laughs> right right <laughs> um so yeah so she they get to the elevator of uh, you know as the queen shows up the they barely get in the elevator before the queen gets there um she tries to shoot the queen with the flamethrower but it's like out of fuel at this point so it just does enough to scare her far enough away so she doesn't bust through the gate um so they get all the way up to the top um and of course the ship isn't there um you know and she's like you know, God damn you, Bishop. Um, but he, he comes, yeah, <laughs> but he comes back anyway. He just had to, you know, fly around a circle. Um, so as they're, you know, going to get back on, um, the queen comes out of the gate, um, you know, just to kind of, you know, give them a last scare or whatever. But they get on the uh, uh, on the ship uh, and they fly away as the whole thing, you know, explodes. Big nuclear explosion behind them, but they barely managed to get away. Yes. Um, so they fly up to the main ship, the Sulaco, um, and they basically get uh, Hicks uh, kind of drugged up and squared away. Like he's, you know, basically in a morphine coma at this point in time. I would um, want to be as well. Yeah. 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 Obviously, he's <laughs> not doing well. He's got acid burns all over his face and chest and stuff. He's not doing well. Um, so, yeah. So they go down and, you know, Bishop's apologizing for, you know, leaving her there. And she's like, oh, no, you know, you did good. You came, you came back. That's that was the main thing. Um, and then, you know, the alien queen tail comes through Bishop's stomach and she just grabs both halves of them and just rips them in half. Oh, yeah. And throws both sides very far away. Uh, but of course, they're like, oh, no, this is bad. Um, so, yes, he's Ripley's trying to keep the queen's attention. She tells uh, Newt to run. Uh, Newt goes to ground to what she knows. And she goes to like a grate to the to vent underneath the floor. Uh, while Ripley, you know, runs into like one of the uh, the loading bays, um, <clears throat> and so the queen's like trying to get to Newt, like ripping up these floor panels, like trying to get to her, uh, and then Ripley comes out of the uh, the loading bay wearing her her loading dock thing. Oh yeah, I don't think I talked about that, but she did not. Yeah. Well, anyway, she had a job in the very beginning when she was living in the slums. She worked she worked at a loading dock because that was the only job she could get. They made a point of saying, "Well, we know that's the only thing you can get." You know, pointing, you know poking fun at her life right that it's not going so great um and then when she's on the ship you know she goes to the um 
the the sergeant and she says hey like i feel like a fifth wheel anything i can do to help and uh basically she can drive the loader so she helps them you know load stuff on their ship and stuff with this loader so anyway so they foreshadowing they do show that she knows how to pilot this loader thing anyway so she comes out in this loader thing which is like a big exoskeleton with forklift hands i guess is how yeah. you describe it right yellow right lights yeah, yeah. right yeah, yeah. It's like yeah it looks like a like a bulldozer with legs and and forklift hands yeah anyway so yeah she has a big like fight with the queen um you know she gets some good hits in the queen gets some good hits in but you know they're they're kind of not really doing damage to each other um she manages to grab the queen um and squeeze her in the forklift hands uh, opens up the uh, the airlock door and then drops her down into the airlock door. You know, there's an inner door and an outer door. Um, so yeah, she falls in there. The uh, the loader falls on top of her. There's an interesting point that they make a point to show when the loader is falling down that the loader smashes itself onto the floor and they show the yellow light on top of it breaking. Okay, yeah. there's a shot specifically to show that. And then the very next shot that shows the loader on top of the queen, the light is fine. <laughs> Self-repairing light. <laughs> I know, I was, I know, it was bizarre. Like, <laughs> why would you show this purpose, like this light breaking, and then it's not broken? Anyway, I've, I've watched it too many times. It's the problem. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, you know, the, the basically the loader is on top of the queen holding her down she's like squirming around trying to get out but she can't uh ripley gets out of the loader and starts walking up the ladder on the side queen grabs her leg and her sweet future rebox that she's wearing yes <laughs> and is holding on and so she can't climb anymore she's holding her down um, she manages to open up the outer airlock door from the ladder that she's on um you know she hooks herself into the ladder um you know loader gets pulled out eventually the queen gets pulled out into space um and then she closes the uh the doors and she gets in um and then so then it's her and newt uh and half of bishop because bishop is still okay because obviously he's a robot he just now doesn't have legs <clears throat> bishop you ain't got no legs <laughs> right <laughs> um yeah so they all they all survive and they the end of the movie is basically um hicks uh well yeah hicks all bandaged up and in a coma uh half of bishop in a bag <laughs> Uh, Newt and Ripley all go into the cryotubes and they're going to be heading back to Earth. Yes. Movie over. Movie over. All right. So I know this is a really great movie for you. Uh, What were your first thoughts when you saw this? You probably saw that you watched it at that same event, right? Um, Uh, Yeah. Well, yeah, I told you the very first section of this I watched was in like whatever 1986 or 87 right after it came out it was on hbo uh but i yeah. caught like a minute of it and it was this scene i still know what scene it was it was the scene where they're driving the apc out of the area after they pick up the marines um and there's an alien that lands on the apc and it like breaks through the window and like so it's like inner mouth is like shooting in through the window and then she steps on the brakes and the alien falls and then she runs it over <laughs> like yeah. that point because there's like very like dramatic like scary music at that point so it's like a very like high energy moment and it was like too much for my brain <laughs> at that point because i was like i don't know eight i was like seven or eight years old it was too much for me so i was like terrified of the movie and then i didn't watch it again until later um but yeah like i said when i was at my friend's house and he wanted to play aliens on the whatever computing device he had 
Um, and then we watched yeah, Alien and then we watched Aliens. And the funny thing is the very first time I watched Aliens was the special edition. The special edition came out in 1990. Okay. <laughs> it was released on VHS, but it was a very, very limited run. Um, so where you couldn't find it anywhere. And that was the first time I'd ever watched it was this special edition. So like, I mean, I was a kid. I used to like to draw and stuff at the time. So I like drew the sentry gun and stuff because that was like one of my favorite parts of the movie, right? It's a very yeah. cool part. And then, you know, for years later on, I would was renting the movie because, you know, I'd go rent movies and I rent my favorites. And this was, I rented all the time. And I was always like, oh, man, where's the sentry gun part? Like there's parts of this movie that's missing. <laughs> like, like what is going on? Like, why is there, why is this like a cut version? You know, like I couldn't, I didn't understand it at that time. Right. Um, but yeah, I still I still remember it was it was the very first thing I ever looked up on the internet. <laughs> like when I got access to the internet and like understood that you could like ask the internet anything and find information. That was the very first thing I asked was like, is there a director's cut for aliens? Um, that was, you know, where I found out yes, there is. The only way that you could get it currently was by Laserdisc. <laughs> or you could find um, you know, the version of the nineteen ninety version of VHS, but this is the early days of the internet when ebay wasn't really a big thing correct or at least if it was i didn't know about it so i didn't but know you did find it on laserdisc at one point but you didn't have laser play, right correct you, yeah <laughs> yeah, I, yeah i could buy it on laserdisc and i really wanted to but i didn't know anyone that had one and i didn't i obviously didn't have one because i was like a rich person's thing i did not oh, have, yeah. i did not have the money and i did not know anyone else that had the money to get a laserdisc player um, so yeah, so I never could, and I never actually watched that version of the movie again until, jeez, I think it was like ninety eight <laughs> or ninety nine, oh, wow. and that's when they finally re released the special edition on VHS. Because um, I yeah I was broke and I still had VHS at that time. Yes, I know <laughs> I know DVD was 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 just getting popular at that time, but I was too broke to get that at that time. Um, but yeah, every time I would go to any place that sold movies, any place that rented movies, anything like that, I would go and find aliens and I would look at the back and I had it memorized. Uh, the original theatrical cut is 138 minutes and the director's cut is 154 minutes. So I, it was, basically if it was anything other than 138 minutes. I would have had a heart attack. And that, and that was the one time I didn't know it was coming out. I went to Borders Books of all places. Yep. Um, with a friend of mine, and it was like it was a Borders to a, like a town I had never been to before. Um, and I went with a friend of mine, and of course, as a habit, I just went to the movie section and looked at Aliens, and it was it was like 154 minutes. I'm like, oh, uh, uh, what? <laughs> so I like I literally had to borrow money from multiple people that were there. Oh, like wow. I had to give them the story. Like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> you have to give me money because this is at borders. This is like a VHS tape at borders is like 25 bucks or like 30 bucks. You know, there was a lot yeah, of money. I, my first, my first Blu-ray was uh killer clowns from outer space. And it was like mm-hmm. 40 bucks. Right. Yeah. Like ridiculous <laughs> price. And I'm like, you guys don't understand. I've been looking for this version of the movie since, you know, I first watched it as a kid, you know, and at that point in time, that was like half my life. Right. Right. I'm like, I need this. I need it. So they, yeah, they <laughs> bought it for me. And I, I wore out that tape. I watched it so many times, like just basking in the sentry gun goodness. I just kept <laughs> watching it. Oh, well, what version do you have on Laserdisc? Uh, well, yeah, I have a special edition. Now I have the special edition on Laserdisc because <laughs> now I defeated it finally. Now I have yes. it on every format you can get it on. <laughs> Not 4K yet. <laughs> no, well, no, not yet, because that doesn't exist yet. But as soon as exactly. it does, I will get it. 
exactly um but yeah no yeah that was, that was my yeah it's it's a an ordeal experience but yes i do have it now <laughs> and i <laughs> i do know the whole story behind everything now but i wish i did at that time yeah i mean it's it, it's fair um like i said it, this is this is the hard point of when i watched it for the first time i don't i i don't recall honestly it was, it was the 90s. I know that. When in the 90s, probably with the first Alien, when after probably Alien 3 was out, I probably watched it then. Um, but as probably at that point in time, would have been just from a video rental, would have been the theatrical release. So I didn't know the Century Guns were a thing when I first watched it. Right. Everybody thought I was crazy. I would always be like, <laughs> you know the Century Gun part? They're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I know yeah. I've seen it. I'm not crazy. Yeah, I mean, it, it, since since, and this is before I, I, I met you, uh, but since learning about that, I always got the special edition on DVD or, or the Blu-ray, mm-hmm. just because it's yeah, it is a better one. But um, you know, my first thoughts, and we'll get to this question later, is it's very action heavy. Oh yeah, for a second entry into this, for me at at that time. I was disappointed by that um, because it was such a, the first one was such a strong, strong sci-fi horror. And this one's not as much of that genre. It's a, uh, we'll, like I said, we'll get to that in a brief second here. But like I said, that was my first thought. Um, obviously I couldn't go see, I mean, I, I guess I could have seen alien three in theaters. I don't know anyone that was going to drive us, my friends and I to it. And pay for it unless they go see an R-rated movie. Because mm-hmm. I was, I mean, uh, Alien Three. Let's see, that came out with ninety-two, ninety-two. So yeah, I was eight. I don't mm-hmm. think it was going to take me then. Um, but I did. It, but we'll get to that. we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, however, though, like I said, I know. I said I didn't have money growing up either. So, but my friend had all the, like the alien toys. Um, and the queen was a big thing, and so was the the exoskeleton as a toy. I remember that. Um, I never really had many of the the toys. I know I had a couple. Um, but yeah, they were expensive. <laughs> like, they were expensive. They they, were expensive. they really brought weird forms of the aliens that didn't exist in movies. Yeah, they basically yeah they had like all kinds of weird like animal versions of aliens, yes. like rhino alien, elephant alien, like all kinds of weird Correct. stuff like that. Correct. Um, yeah, they were just looking for different versions of the toys. I'm not sure how or why that got triggered, but I had a, I had a couple of friends of mine who, who had a bunch of them, but I think I only had like one. Yeah. And it was like uh, a cheapo one <laughs> that yeah. I had. I didn't have the nice <laughs> ones that they had. Uh, but uh, rewatches, this is, this is definitely on. I, I agree with what you, you say. These, these, the two of these go together. Um, and the rewatches are are there mm-hmm. uh, that I I do watch these frequent enough probably that I have not seen these as many times as you have, um, but you know when I when I go do watch the aliens I do tend to watch them all, especially before like I watch them all obviously before like Covenant came out or before Prometheus came out or before AVP came out so when there's a newer entry I then to watch the entire franchise as a whole leading up to the next experience. They see, I always, okay. I always sit down like going, okay, I'm going to watch all of them. And then I watch the first, I watch the first two. And then I'm like, 
do I do I really need to watch that now? I know. I know. <laughs> nah, it's I it's know. rough. It yeah. is rough. So yeah, I, I've I've watched the first two a ton of times. I've had the idea to watch all of them uh, a lot of times. <laughs> I just never got past the second. That's fair. We'll we'll get into those reasons, bro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so highlights for you. I know this is this is your movie, right? So yeah. what would you say the biggest highlight? Uh, biggest highlight is obviously the Claudio Marines, man. They're they're super cool. Um, I mean, their their armor's cool. Their weapons are cool. Um, I mean, just the whole idea of you know the military and space thing at the time, I was like super into. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it just yeah. I, I don't know. I, I still have that that childhood glee, you know, for how cool they were then. I still have that now. I still think they're super cool, so they're my favorite. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I I think you know you you have to go. You don't have to, but you generally go bigger and grander in sequels, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I like the the more character development that we get to Ripley, we, there's more fleshed out character to her, and I really like that. I like story arcs like and the, in the special edition. You actually get to learn her first name for the first time. Uh, it's Ellen. Yeah, right? but yeah. yeah, if you didn't watch the special edition, you didn't get that. I, yeah, other than the first rental, I must have seen only special edition. Well, I, it's then. it's basically <laughs> the superior version of the film. Everyone yeah. agrees yeah. it's the superior version of the film. Even James Cameron agrees it's the superior oh, version yeah. of the film. Um, so I mean, the, the the highlights were, like I said, I think the like I said, the character arc building, um, and the introduction of the Queen. You get you get more lore of the species as a whole. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely expands on it i mean yeah yeah it takes the alien that was from the first one and that was just one of the drones that managed to wipe out all of them in less than right. 24 hours yeah um and then yeah this one is like an entire nest of like a hundred of them yeah so yeah and that's that's perfectly fair yeah mm-hmm. um yeah like i said that the lore the lore and the character are really stand strong for mm-hmm. me um, what about low points for you, though? Dear God, new <laughs> scream! Oh man, like I literally, I sometimes I have to mute it, like because I know when it's coming, right? Yeah. I know when it's coming, and I have to mute it. Her scream is so ear piercing; it's like mind shattering. I don't know what it is. It is such a high pitched squeal. Oh, I don't know what it is, but it hurts me whenever I hear it. And the special edition gives you a whole nother scream. So there's like four <laughs> screams, I think, in the movie, and they are painful. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, uh, low point for me, quite, quite honestly, is uh, your your highlight, though, unfortunately, is, is the Marines. It is the I like I, I understand this is the the tactical military response to something like this, but I feel like it's such a departure from the first one with with the action heavy oriented side of it. Well, I mean, at, at this one, they're basically going, yeah, they're doing bigger and better because it's a sequel, obviously, but they're also trying to show you just how really dangerous they are. Is they right. take basically the toughest military unit that they have at that time, 
Yeah. And they put it up against them and they get their asses kicked. But I mean, to be fair, they didn't have their guns, but right. I mean, it's, it's, it's become, especially in some of the other military stuff in the scary space movies that we watch. It's a cliche at this point. It is. I mean, they, 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 you do they use build it. them up and they have to nerf them right away. Well, I mean, th- this one, yeah, they did. But again, I, if they didn't, there wouldn't be a whole lot of horror element in this movie. Right. So, like, if they went in there, well, I mean, there still would be. It's not, it's not like, it's not like it would remove it, but it would, it would take away a lot of it. It would take away a lot of what, what it meant. Yes. I mean, I don't disagree, but like I said that's just the low point, just because of what happened. I said, I still thoroughly enjoy the movie. Um, but, you know, that, that comes to the question of, is it horror? Um, I mean, and yeah, I mean, it, it, obviously there's parts of it that aren't, I mean, there's parts of it that are more action oriented than horror, but I mean, you're still getting picked off. I mean, it's still like, it's like a multi slasher, right? Yeah. When they go into the nest, I mean, they're getting the shit kicked out of them. They're just dying left and right. And they're not making an impact at all. Even if they kill one or two, it's not changing what's happening to them. Um, and even when they go back and hide, right, because they're afraid of these things and what they can do, and then they break in and kill them one by one again anyway. So, like, no matter what they're doing, they cannot stop them from killing them, right. even with their weapons. I mean, yes, they have lower numbers and stuff, but even with their weapons, they're still getting killed one by yeah. one. Um, so, I mean, yeah, and then they even have the final girl thing of of Ripley going back in to save somebody, right? Which is, yeah. you know, a, a typical horror, you know, element yep. <laughs> of the final girl trying to go back in and save people, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of elements of a horror movie. Is it, you know, as horror as the first one? No, not at all. Um, it doesn't have, you know, a lot of that suspense thriller part. It doesn't. I mean, it has some. It's not like it's gone, but it's not as intense as it is in the first one. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. It's more of a swarm creature feature, like Piranha, where there's just over, no matter what you do, you're just getting overloaded with it, right? Right, right. So it's instead of a singular slasher, it's a swarm, and that's what they are. Right. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's, I'd say sci-fi action, horror, horror being the third element of it. I, that's, that's just my thought. No, that's fair. Like I said, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll be the first one to say it's not as big of a horror element as the first one. Yeah. But it's still there. It's just yeah. a little bit, you know, lighter. Yes. All right. So, number of chest bursters out of 10 for you on this one, Salem? Five. That's no brainer. It's 10. 10, 10? 10 chest bursters out of 10. Now, I know 10. I gave Alien 10 as well, but that's a 10 because it's a perfect sci fi, like, uh, you know, thriller, suspense, horror movie, right? Right. And this is like, you know, the perfect, you know, action horror space movie. <laughs> it's a good companion for Predator. Uh, sure. I mean, it, I mean, it's action, not sci-fi. I mean, I guess it's sci-fi too, but mm-hmm. I mean, you can see why the franchises merge and why people always want Alien versus Predator. Oh, yeah. Well, because, again, Predator, you never really see in their, like, space environment. Right. You know, I mean, obviously, we get bits and pieces of that in some of the other one, but there's no real, like, confrontations or anything with them in space. They're always hunting them in a forest or something. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I'm not I'm not going all the way up to ten. I will go to nine point five for this. I mean, there it, it most of the iconic stuff is from this movie in in, in real life, you know, media and, and pop culture is from this movie. I mean, let's face it. We have we have the title of our podcast from it. We have, you know, game over, man, game over. <laughs> right? And right? It's classic. Everybody I feel like knows that. Mm-hmm. And it's because of this movie. So, yeah. if it was more, more horror, it would been a perfect ten for me. I said this. This is this. This movie kind of sparked the debate of where to put the alien on my body as a tattoo: horror or sci-fi. But in the and both. Oh yeah, but I, I picked. <laughs> I definitely uh, picked you know sci-fi. It's your body, buddy. You can make. Can make whatever decisions you want about your own body. It, it's too late. <laughs> it's it's there. It's been there <laughs> for a while. All right. <clears throat> so that that brings us into uh, Alien Three mm-hmm. or Alien uh, Cubed, if you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they do for whatever reason. The three is super tiny. <laughs> yes, and it's in the spot where it's cubed. That's Correct. Right. Let's let's face it. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now it's gonna be really hard for me to go in such detail with this movie as you did with aliens. Uh well yeah, I'm, yeah, it's just <laughs> dude, it's a movie I've seen so many times that like yeah, you don't have to go into that much. We don't have yeah, that much and- I don't want to be here till tomorrow. <laughs> um and there's a lot of versions of in this of this movie too. So there's yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll go into that once you you're done. Yeah. yeah. Um so essentially it's been what? Did they say what? Six months. Um, it's not long after the end. Of uh, no, it's not. It's not super long, but yeah, it's been a few months. I think. Yeah, it's it's enough time that they should be back to Earth. But uh, you know, in, or at least, the, or at least, yeah, in the custody of someone else. Yes. Right. But lo and behold, they don't go to Earth. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um. So essentially, what happens is. Uh, an egg hatches, releases a facehugger, and a fire starts in the ship. The computer goes, oh, I got to evacuate everyone, so the, it evacuates the, every, you know, everyone. Ripley, Newt, Hicks, and Bishop, they're all in cryostasis, and they go to essentially land on a foundry planet slash maximum security prison that's full of men. Yep. Um, so we see that we see um, his name. Um, he's looking out and he sees this and he goes and gets people and they rescue the passengers. And I believe the, you know, they go in there and start getting the pods out of there, recovering what they can because the, everything's just kind of just a wreck. Um, at this point, you know, these, a face hugger attaches itself to a dog that happens. To be there with them. Um, that's that's pretty much the opening, right? And Rip, we see Ripley. And yeah, well, yeah, is, the, the, yeah. The main thing to take away from this opening is that Hicks and Newt are killed off yeah. screen before the movie starts. Yes, unforgivable took, in my mind because it. Took, well, th- that wasn't the original plan. I know the, because it's the time frame with the the fiasco that happened behind the scenes with this movie 
they want everyone to come back. They go, you know what? No, Ripley's sole survivor, right? We, she wasn't the final girl, therefore she is now again, <laughs> right? Um, you know, they told her, oh, you know, you're, you're the only one left alive, and she felt like she kind of had like a dream of the facehugger attaching itself to someone. Um, so you know, she's talking to the prisoner warden, who I believe is in Dune, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, maybe I don't know. You're talking about the supervisor dude, yeah, stocky ball. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm pretty sure he was like the only gay guy on Dune, and I'm pretty sure that's what he's the villain of it. I thought the Baron. I could be wrong. Yeah, is it not him? I don't know. Okay. I don't. I don't. No, I don't think that guy was the Baron. Okay, he just reminds me of him for some reason. Oh, uh, <laughs> um, you know they're saying you're 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 a woman here. This is all men. You this could be really really bad. She's like, okay, I've been against worse and not against these type of things, right? Mm-hmm. Very implying that the inmates are worse than anything she's ever encountered. Of course, um, you know she meets the uh, was physician. Would you call him physician? Uh, I believe he was the head he, of the Lannister family. Well, well, yes, he is. He can he can skin a deer. He can he can he can do medical stuff. I guess right, rudimentary medical stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, no, he's the science officer for the the place. Yes, played by yeah. Charles Dance, Tywin Lannister, of course. Yes. Um. So she goes. You know, Ripley convinces him. Like, I need to make sure. I had. You know, I think a facehugger was on her, you know, no one no one believes her that this thing is this because that's always the case. Um, you know, and she goes, I have to have an autopsy. So she's sitting there, he's like fo- almost forcing him to have the autopsy of Newt, which is clearly obviously not the actress because it's what, seven five years later, six years later. Yeah. Well they, yeah, they only really her. show like her eyes. They don't even really like show yeah. her whole face. Yeah. Um and you know, opens her up and starts going through here. He's like, Well, what am I looking for? Anything that's not human or you know, normal or anything like that is like he starts taking out pieces. You know, this is perfectly normal. There's nothing here. You're crazy. Right. <laughs> um so you know, she goes, you know what? Just to be safe, you know, we have to get rid of these, burn them or some way or how, right? Um so as you go, okay, then they have a funeral and the foundry, and essentially, uh, I would call him younger at this point, younger Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> right? Well, he was, uh, what was he? he was in that sitcom around this time. Yeah. Rock, I think was the name of the sitcom. Something like I that. Think that. Yeah, I think he's the main guy from that show. He just reminds me of Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I get that, yeah. I, like when I first saw this, I thought, like later on, like is that Forrest Whitaker? And I had to look it up on IMDb. Just no, he, doesn't have, he doesn't have the twitchy eye like Forrest Whitaker does. That's fair. I thought I thought maybe it was a twitch that came later on. <laughs> <laughs> no, he had it. Like even when he was younger, he he had that same eye. Yeah. So they, you know, he's the preacher. He gives a, a speech, and they throw the bodies wrapped up into the foundry, mm-hmm. essentially to the molten magma of the steel. That's. Oh, 6,000 degrees. Essentially burn them. Okay. Um, while this is, while this is happening, um, the, see, here's where I believe it differs. Either burst from the dog or I feel like it's a, like a kettle hanging 
And either way, we get a bipedal alien, whether it's from the dog or from the livestock that's hanging upside down, right? The two different versions. Yeah, and the yeah, and the uh, the special edition, it's a ox. Yeah, yeah, and in right. the in the theatrical version, it's the dog. Which I never understood how it got to the ox. If it was the ox, well, in the uh, in the in the special edition, the oxen were like um, they used them to drag the the, uh, oh. the EV thing out of the ocean. Okay, so like they were close to that thing because they had to use them. That was the only thing because the the cranes and shit that they had didn't work. It's like yeah. nothing works there. So they had to use the ox to pull them out of the ocean because it was like a spaceship type thing. Yeah. Okay. Re- regardless, whether it's from a dog or from ox, we get a, a you know, a quadrupedal alien, which we've never quadrupedal. seen. Quadrupedal. Yeah. We've never seen it. It's because we've only seen it in a human host. So it takes on, this is kind of the first hint that we get that it takes on. Close to the form of whatever it impregnates. Yeah, it takes elements from what it impregnates, right? Yeah. Um. So you know, she's just trying to convince people that she's not crazy, that all the stuff's going on here. She doesn't, you know, she just has just an unnerving feeling from the inmates, from what happened with you know Newton Hicks being just killed off screen, just all that stuff, right? Um. And she kind of finds out what happens if they had Bishop. Um, she finds she goes and finds, you know, him, him in the garbage dump, and this is where she almost gets gang raped. That's <laughs> yeah, okay. right. That's it, the only way to put it. Yeah, it, it's very unnerving scene, to yes. say the least. Yes. Um, and you're going like as, as a viewer, you're going. She shouldn't. She doesn't take this shit. Like, I, I feel like it's very out of place. But they're still trying to show that the inmates are quote worse than the alien. Um, but it you know, luckily she gets she gets saved from from it happening. Um, the the spiritual leader. She's like, you know, don't do that. Okay. Um. So she goes back to the infirmary and she reactivates Bishop, who you know tells her exactly what happened. Right, that there was, you know, through the scanning of the ship, that there was a face hugger and came on board with with them, and it happens to be uh, here as well. And he has to be permanently shut down; like he can't live. So we get Bishop out of here too. We got the thing that would survive the wreck pretty easily. Asked to be essentially killed forever. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, to be fair, he had like, you know, he was he had like holes in his memory. He knew yeah. he knew there was pieces of himself that weren't there. He didn't feel like his whole self. Yeah. So he, he he would rather be dead than not than be a different version of himself. Which yeah. is, uh, yeah, strangely existential for an android, but sure, very much so. Um. So the the alien essentially is at full size at, at this point in time. It starts small as, as, as they do, um, and it kills a couple of inmates. And I, I believe they believe that for some reason I always thought they were calling him garlic. 
<laughs> well, I well, think it's they garlic. Say, yeah, it's garlic. It's garlic, and, and that's how they say it. So it's like that that the the accent sounds like garlic to me when I was watching. Well, it. I'm like, I thought the same. I thought the same thing at first because in the scene that they introduce his name, yes, uh, in the special edition, there's two guys sitting at the table. You're like, how come we don't like working this guy? How he co- smells. Yeah, how come we don't like yeah. working with them? Like, well, you know, garlic smells bad. You know, like they right. say, like that's what I'm like. Okay, that's a good nickname to have garlic because you smell bad. It eats right. a lot of garlic and garlic, right? Excuse, like that's excuse, what I it comes from your pores. Right, yeah. that's what I thought. And then later on, I'm like, oh, it's garlic. Like that's yeah, that's yeah, odd. But yes, yes. No, his name is garlic, G O L I C, not garlic. Yeah, yeah. So you okay? I'm not alone in that thinking that. No, no, not at all. <laughs> okay. Because I had to talk to the wife. I'm like, is it garlic? <laughs> am, I, am I hearing this wrong? Like, what's going on? <laughs> um, you know, so she she's talking to you know prison warden. Say, hey, you know, it's it's here. No, no, no. He just kind of dismisses her, right? I, I would say that. Um, well, yeah, she says everyone should band together and kill it. He doesn't believe it, of course. Um, saying even if even if it were true, even if it were true, we have zero weapons. This is a maximum security prison. We don't have weapons. What what do you want us to do? You know, all we can do is call a ship that's going to be here in like what two weeks. Well, that's or what I originally like. thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's from the Wayland Utani Corporation, mm-hmm. which we saw in Aliens. Um, you know, she, she, she gets real close with, with, you know, Charles, Charles dance and they do it as you do when you're real filthy and greasy. Well, she's Um, been out in space a long time, man. For her, it's been like a week. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I mean, yeah, she's also, but the whole mining (laughs) expedition, she still wasn't with anybody out there. Yeah. We don't know how long all that was. Could it be? It's been a year. He's he's people, a sexy man. People have needs. Him. Yeah, people have needs. It's okay, right? Um, you know, and then she's they're talking and like they're I believe you know uh, Gallic was in the affirming too because he after seeing all this stuff and being blamed he's like he goes insane too. Like people were concerned about him because he was a mass murderer and think you know he would kill people. That's what he does. So the he's pretty isn't he sedated a bit. Uh yeah. Yeah, it's very heavily implied stated. <laughs> yeah. Um and oh she's she's back in the infirmary talking to him and she's talking about all the stuff and Nalen comes in and kills Charles Dance. Um and was you know ready to kill her but doesn't and just kind of just goes away. Um, yeah, like sniffs her and then goes away. Sniffs her and like, oh, that's that's weird, right? The the I'd say the iconic scene from this movie, right? Yeah, that was well. It was like I think it was on the posters and shit. I mean, it yeah. was like yeah, that scene was like yeah, it was all over. And people recreated it with the stapler with the piece of the stapler coming out against <laughs> the picture of her, right? Know, the iconic shaved head, head turned, face of the xenomorph there with the mouth coming out. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. She did yeah, she did have her head shape. Everybody has their head shape in this movie. Yes, for lice. Yeah, because they have lice. I mean it's disgusting the amount of lice that are everywhere. 
Oh, yeah. They're giant. I mean, shave, I, it, it, even if I had hair, I would shave my head if I was there. Too. Oh, dear God. <laughs> right. Um, she goes, okay. She goes to tell everyone, you know, there that this is, this is going on to warn everyone else. Um, and they go, no, 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 no. Don't listen to her. This is a warden again, right? Um, saying this isn't true. But while he's talking about that, he gets kind of dragged off and killed. <laughs> um, you know, so they're like, oh, shit, she's right. <laughs> Um, so she's talking about, you know, a plan they need to do. Like, we have to, if we don't kill this, if we don't band together, this isn't kill us off one by one. Um, so, you know, she starts harboring a plan of essentially pouring, uh, what, toxic waste that's flammable into the ventilation system ignited to, to flush it out, and they go through huge tunnels, right? And they're setting up this, like, chain of command, like the fires that are lit in Lord of the Rings. That's the same idea, essentially, of them flushing out and, and killing it. Um, and then trying to burn it with whatever they could at that point. Uh, as, as as they're working this out, a ex- premature explosion essentially happens. Um, and many of the inmates, we don't know most of their names at this point in time, are killed. So her plan's kind of null and void at this point in time, right? Like they like they sealed some doors and you see the you see the alien kind of like kill a guy and go bang against the door, start denting it out, but still holds pretty well. Um so does it see her again at this point? I think at, at this point she goes to look for it. Yeah, because she wants to like be sure of what she heard, so she goes right. and, and looks for it and finds it, and it again refuses to attack her and runs away. But this time she right. like presents herself to it, so like it's it's alone. There's nothing else going on. And right at, at this point, she knows something's wrong, and that's right. when she goes back to yeah, right. yeah. So she goes to their escape pod for the medical equipment. And she scans herself, and she sees an alien growing inside of her. Um, and she also finds out that the the Wayland company wants to use these as weapons, as a biological weapon, which is fair. They are weapons. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know. So she's going. Okay. She's putting it together that the alien senses that there's an embryo, which you know, a a queen embryo, nonetheless, inside of her. She goes. Okay, so the alien's not going to kill me, but she, you know, because of the time frame it takes to be impregnated and before you the chest burster explodes out of you, time frame here is big again. Um, yeah, this one I'll give a little bit of leeway to simply because it's a queen. Yeah, it's a queen, and we don't know anything about what different yeah. time frame a queen would have. So, so this one I'm not. I don't really hold this one into. Like that, like, oh, they're not following the timeline. Like, again, it's different enough to where, okay, whatever. Maybe maybe it's the queen still, takes 48 hours instead of six, whatever. It's still a lengthy time frame. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. From what we know of the franchise at this Correct. point. Correct, yes. It is a departure <laughs> from what we've been exposed to so far. Correct. But it's not shorter. It's longer. <laughs> Correct. Um, But, you know, she she's like, okay, I can't. I can't live like this. I have to. I have to die. 
Um, and she begs the priest to kill her, you know, because I know you're a murderer, blah, blah, blah. And he agrees. However, she has to help them kill the alien because what good does it do? You know, you're the expert in here. I will do what you say. I promise you I will do it. But we have to kill this alien first before any more inmates are killed. It's a fair, it's a fair request. Yeah. Especially right? yeah, it's, if, yeah, if you want somebody to kill you, <laughs> then yes, yeah. you have to follow their rules. This I, I think I think if you ask something like that, you, you they can state their stipulations first. Right. Because even with him and the priest, yes, he was a murderer as well, but he still looks out for his people, his flock, his congregation. Right. Right. Um, so they form a new plan, essentially, that they're going to lure the alien into the um, molding facility or where they, they pour the liquid hot uh, slag yeah. or magma, it's essentially. Lead, right? yeah. It's, it, yeah. It's apparently, yeah, they're making some kind of molds. Or some kind of yeah. lead machine or, or pieces. I don't know what it right. is. They never Which, describe I, what it is. I'm, burning lead is great for people. Correct, yeah. <laughs> so the fumes themselves are killing these people, right. regardless of anything else. Which I guess, you know, prison at maximum security prisoners, right? So um, they start, you know, closing off doors and essentially leading it to the, the mold room, essentially the, giving it the bottleneck path again. Because these doors are strong enough to hold it. And so it has to go on the path that it has. Um, you know, they, they start doing this and it, they kind of like what run from room to room and, ha- and essentially are luring it with themselves. Yeah, right. Yeah. They're, they're like basically like having guys act like bait and like getting it to chase them through certain doors so that they could close doors behind it. Right. To, to basically try to corral it into this mold. Right. Yeah. You know, b- going off of instinct that it has just to kill. Right. Um, but a lot of people die again. In yeah, this right. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much everyone else except for like two other people. Well, yeah, be, I mean, mainly because they're panicking. I mean, obviously, that's. I mean, yes, you would <laughs> panic in that situation, getting chased by that thing, right? Oh, yes, absolutely, so. absolutely. Um, you know, however, you know, so it's the priest and one other person left, and Ripley, and the alien sexually. Um, so they, they lure into the mold and, but to stay there, the priest sacrifices himself to get essentially hold the position with the lure, the alien there while it's, you know, attacking him, pour the mold, molten lead onto him and the alien. Right. So you have the guy controlling the, the, um, the mold lever essentially and Ripley and Molten lead gets poured on tail. Like, oh wow, that's that's going to burn it. It's you know much hotter than anything else that's seen. Right. Uh, however, it escapes and is now covered in molten lead while it's cooling. Um. So Ripley goes, "Hey, that's still alive." So she activates the fire sprinklers and water against molten any metal liquid has a great reaction. Right. <laughs> Blows it. Blows it apart. Um, just from the thermite shock, essentially. Uh, so here's we get to more of things that are whether in the special edition or not. Um, Wayland arrives pretty quickly, a lot quicker than the two week time frame. It's been what a day, <laughs> if that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and Ripley's Ripley's there, and the last guy, I believe, yeah, is also there as well. So, but we see Bishop. She even calls him Bishop. Says, "Oh no, no, no! I'm Bishop's creator," and it's played by our, our good friend Lance Hendrickson, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, they don't. He um, doesn't say what his name is. <laughs> he just says, "I'm his creator." Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um. So he's telling Ripley, "Hey, you know, we want to. We we can, we have the tools to remove the embryo from your body. We can do it while keeping you alive. You should do that, and we will then destroy it. Um. And being an evil corporation, that we've seen now that they're evil." She doesn't believe him, and then kind of throws herself into the molten magma. Um, and here's where you get two different shots of, you know, whether oh, uh, she's going to go on the position where the guy's going to lower her, you know, move it into that. He realizes what she's doing. He gets shot in the leg. Um, well, no, there's someone else left too, isn't there? Someone else hits him, hits the bishop look like in the face and the shot dead. Um, and we see that he is bleeding. Red. Right. So, yes, see, see, look, not that android. I told you I'm the real thing. (laughs) Uh, but he's like, Hey, you know, we're going to destroy it. We need the embryo. She doesn't believe him. She throws herself in the furnace. And like I said, there's the two different versions is one, the chest burster comes out and she holds it in as she falls in. The other one, it doesn't happen. She just falls in. Right. Um, and, you know, so regardless, Ripley is dead. The queen that's inside her dead. as far as where we're Ripley and the alien species are dead. And, you know, the facilities are closed down because there's just one guy left. And essentially, we hear the final logbook of Ripley playing from the first movie. Right. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Um, my first, my first thought of this movie, man, my first thought when I I couldn't tell you the first time I saw this, it was not in theaters. It's probably late nineties. You know, this is awful. I'm like, this is like, I said at the time I had my qualms about aliens, but I said, if I watch it more, I've grown to appreciate it more, obviously. Uh, this, you know, this is a great place to end it because this is so bad. It needs to end <laughs> with this movie. Um, but at that point in time, I knew that another movie was out. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, like I said, I first saw it, I was like, this is such a departure. This is like not even horror. It is like a prison break ish type movie. Um, I mean, I, I mean, it's horror. I mean, it's everybody's getting picked off one by one and then they're trying to like fight back against it, but they're so overpowered that they're getting slaughtered anyway. I mean, those are all horror elements. Yeah. I mean, what, what was your first thoughts when you saw this movie? Well, this movie I watched in theaters when it came out. 
1992. I went and saw it. It was, I remember it very vividly because it was I, the only time I can remember doing anything with my paternal grandfather. Okay. Like just me and him. It's the only time I can ever remember we actually ever did something. And it's, yeah. It was odd. I mean, because I was obsessed with Alien and Alien. So I like really wanted to go see Alien 3. So he had like, Nobody else wanted to go. He didn't want to go either, but I think they just made him go. <laughs> um, and we went there, and I really remember it because um, there was a really, really bad storm out that day. Um, yeah. And when we were watching the movie, the power actually went out during the movie. It happened three times. Oh, wow. And it happened at the gang rape scene. So I had to watch <laughs> that scene with my grandfather three times <laughs> because they wow. can, that must have been like the beginning of the reel must have been that scene right before that because they they started it there three times um and yeah and it was like the thunder was so bad you could hear it through the theater like through the walls of the theater like that's how bad it was storming outside yeah um, it was a, it was a very surreal experience so uh I, I remember the experience vividly but uh the movie itself i mean i didn't hate it um i mean obviously i did not like it as much as the first two um i, I didn't think it was that good i didn't hate it, it it's it, you know it, it didn't rank quite high enough for me to ever want to like really rewatch it <laughs> but i didn't hate it you know it was it was interesting things there was interesting parts it was you know the, the movie was okay um, it's not bad, but it's not great either. I mean, there's nothing really outshining it. Um, but yeah. I will, I will say this time watching it through, I guess, well, I'll kind of flow right into the rewatches here. Yeah. Um, I, I've always watched the theatrical version, um, just because that was the version that I knew and I really had no reason to watch the other one. Cause usually again, I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm going to watch them all. And I watched the first two and I just can't get you know <laughs> can't it's, like, a, it's a hard step. yeah it's like uh i don't really want to watch the third one but i mean for this time i'm like no i really have to i haven't watched the third one in a long time i'm gonna watch it and then i remembered yeah. that oh the version that i have has the the special edition on it um and i'm like i've never watched this special edition so this time i'm gonna watch it um but i also made sure to look up um what the differences are because i know that you know we'll be discussing you know the theatrical version mostly um, so I wanted right. to, to make sure what the differences were. And I looked at the differences and there's pages, pages of differences. Like almost every freaking scene has a different piece of dialogue, uh, a different take, a different like, you know, like version of things happening. And there's like an entire 30 minutes of film that's added. I mean, there's a lot. So it's essentially a new movie. Right. It's a lot of stuff. And they basically, they call it the assembly cut. And they call it that because, I mean, this is David Fincher's first movie. I mean, everybody, David Fincher, you know, has gone on to do many great things after this. But this is his first yes. one. And he was basically cornered by the studio. I'm um, saying, like, you have to do this or else we're not going to let you make any more movies with us. So he had to do it. And it was a very, very bad experience for him. I mean, everybody involved. I mean, there was the studio had so many people in and out of this. Like they had like technically three writers credited with writing the movie because there were three completely different scripts that they basically like Frankenstein together to make this one script. Yeah. That's why there's so many writers. It's like it's it, it's a it's a nightmare. Um but this assembly version was basically the version that that David Fincher was working with before the studio took it from them and then cut it into their version of what they wanted. 
So this assembly version is basically what David Fincher's version of this movie was going to be. Obviously not a finished version, but I mean, all the effects are done and stuff. It's not like there's, you know, because I know some of these like assembly cuts, they have like weird, very low quality, like no effects done shots put in it. It doesn't have any of that. And it's it's all really cool looking and it really, really adds a lot. So I was really surprised at how much I liked that version of it compared to how much I liked the theatrical one. Um, yeah. And there, there, like I said, there's a lot, a lot of stuff added, a lot of completely different changes. I mean, like, I mean, number one, obviously, uh, the theatrical version, there's a dog that the alien comes out of. Um, right. In this assembly cut, there's no dog on the entire planet. The dog, there's never a dog at all. Like, it doesn't exist. It, like, it, it comes out of this ox, and that's it. That There's no other animals. Um, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, the, the whole the God, like, watch was definitely an ox. Yeah. Um, well, that's yeah, that's the assembly cut. Well, I, actually, they may have had a different. I don't know. I don't know what other versions they've had. I just remember this is the one. David Fincher refused to come back to do a director's cut because he doesn't want anything to do with this movie. <laughs> um, but he gave his personal blessing to the guy who did come back and do it. Um, okay. And basically, the guy who came back and did it, his whole purpose of doing it was to try to like vindicate david fincher and that he it's not his fault that the movie was bad you know he was trying to make a good movie and to be fair this assembly cut is a good movie it is it's much better than the theatrical version and it's just it's a it's a it's a big you know kind of example showing what happens when studios have too much control over a franchise um and they end up making you know just bad decisions in bad movies you know, simply because, you know, some crazy producer has some idea in his head that they want to do and that doesn't make any sense, but he can't change his mind. So you just have to do it because otherwise the movie doesn't get made at all. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. this this movie, I'm surprised it did not get an Alan Smithy, quite honestly. Well, again, and David Fincher probably wanted to, but because it was like his first movie and he wanted he really wanted to make some other movies. I mean, his next movie was seven. <laughs> And that was like yeah. his movie. That was the movie that made his career. And he knew that if he didn't was able wasn't able to make that movie, he would never go anywhere in the business. So he knew he had to stick with this and just do it, and and just get it over with, so he could do the things <laughs> that he wanted to do. And to be fair, he did, and he did a great job. Oh, yeah. um, but again, it's it's studio involvement every step of the process. I mean, there were so many scripts that were written and scrapped and then brought back in and then pieces of it were like, you know, cut out of it and put into a different script. And again, nice. like at the end of it, the, the script for this movie was like a Frankenstein version of three different scripts. I mean, they were like rewriting things as they were filming. Um, I mean, quite literally production hell. Yeah, it is like, and no <laughs> one wants to go back to this movie. No one involved in the process just doesn't even want to talk about this movie because it was so bad. Right. Yeah. Um, but I will say that that assembly cut, it does vindicate David Fincher and it does make it a much better movie. There's the, okay. all the, the subplots make a lot more sense. Um, you get a lot more nuance about the prisoners, why they're there, what they're doing, like, you know, their whole religions thing is, is kind of just touched on at the actual cut. They really flesh it out. It's again, it's a superior version of the movie. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't watch it up until this point. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, is that, is that the, in the quadrilogy? Yeah. Yeah. So I have it probably. <laughs> I must have watched. Oh, you know, my version of the DVD one. Oh. That makes sense. <laughs> See, I don't know if there might be other <laughs> director's cuts, 
but I know this one is specifically the assembly cut. And then that's, this okay. is, that's the one it's, like I said, almost every scene has a change. I mean, there's so many changes. It's ridiculous. I, I couldn't even start to describe them all, um, but it yeah. is a superior version. So, I mean, I would obviously, if this year to watch the movie for the first time, I watch the theatrical cut. Otherwise people aren't going to know what you're talking about. If you're that's talking fair. about the movie, but then you should also watch, you know, this other movie. If you think that the movie's bad, watch that version of the movie. And they'd be like, okay, it's not as bad. Yeah, I'm not gonna I mean, say it's great, but it it is much better than I originally thought. I mean, uh, if I do another rewatch of this franchise, which with the show coming out, probably going to again. Let's face it. Um, I'll try to do the Sunday cut the rewatch, but rewatch why I agree with you. Your statement before it's okay. Can we just skip? You know the next couple, and I'll, I'll actually pick up with Alien versus Predator before this. <laughs> quite honestly, I don't know. I, I like the fourth one, but we'll get there. Okay. Um. Oh, highlights for me is really realistically the only highlight for me is is um the lore edition that we actually see. You know the 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 xenomorph take elements or more of a form of the host. Um, I think that's the biggest piece we can get from this, and then the fact that there is there actually is more of an intelligence to these to understand not to kill someone that there is a queen embryo. So I mean, they're they're sticking to that lore of the the hive minds, and essentially is obeying the queen while still embryo form. Um, and I, I, you know, and the acting was good in it too. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing is like, when you go to the assembly cut, they really do showcase much more of the nuance of these characters. Like, yeah, you know, like again, you know, all of the prisoner characters were pretty one dimensional at the theatrical cut, yes. you know, yeah. Um, and in this one, they really do give you a lot more depth. Um, I mean, there's a whole subplot with Gallic. Um, Gallic. He's not yeah. just in like the two scenes that he's in a theatrical version. Like he's actually like uh, almost like a secondary antagonist in the assembly cut. Um, there's, I mean, there, there's just so much more to the conversations. Like every time um, the, the guy, you know, the warden does like his rumor control thing. Um, before those, there's like, they have like a prayer and a discussion amongst themselves before he starts talking. Okay. So like, yeah, he comes in and, and does his rumor control thing, you know, and like, he's the ruler of the prison, but really he's not. I mean, th- again, they, yeah. they go into more about why they're there and what's going on. Um, but th- yeah, they, they literally, they have like, they start with a prayer and then their leader guy, he like basically goes over like what's happening in his own words. And then that guy goes rumor control, you know, and then he says his own story. And so it's like, I don't know. There's so much more to it. There's so much more nuance. There's so much more dialogue between um, uh, Charles dance and Sigourney Weaver. Um, There's like so much more, you know, they actually like, you know, have like a, a mini relationship, you know, in the first one, it's like, they kind of barely know each other and they just bone because they got nothing better to do kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. And in, in the, the assembly cut, they actually, I mean, it's still more or less that, but I mean, at least there's like, a, they get to know each other a little bit more up until that point. I don't know. There's, it's, I was just very, very surprised 
at how much I enjoyed <laughs> the assembly <laughs> gun. Surprisingly, because I, I in general don't really like three all that much. Right. Um, all right. But yeah, yeah. My highlights would be the, uh, I mean, the acting. Um, yeah. Obviously, that just the 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 story part of it. I really like the ending. <laughs> Um, because it is a bad ending. I mean, oh yeah, she she dies. There's there's no other way. Even in both cuts of the movie, she dies. She dies in slightly different ways. Um, but she dies. There's no like goofy hero ending to where she somehow removes the queen and survives. Um, right, which, which happens in Prometheus later. Which I don't. <sighs> again, it's it's it takes away from <laughs> the story. You know what I mean? It kind of like cheats. The story, mm-hmm. I, I would say. Um, so yeah, I think it would be a cheated story if she was able to do that. I, I do like the at the ending was it's a bad ending more or less. Yeah. Um, and then the uh, the low point is obviously that they killed off Kicks and Newt in oh, the yes. opening freaking credits without oh, like yes. any even thought at all. I understand it was a studio thing, but <sighs> such a waste. I mean, they, they forced her, they forced her into the final girldom. Right. Like I, okay. Force, yeah. I've seen what could have happened in this movie because I've read the other scripts that yes. were going to be alien three. My very favorite is of course, the one by William Gibson. Yes. The William Gibson who wrote the sprawl trilogy, my favorite author wrote a screenplay for alien three, which is fantastic. Um, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, of course, this is the first draft of the script, so changes could be made. They weren't really true to the alien lore, <laughs> you know, the way that they were, the way that they were acting. But it was more like a, uh, uh, it tried to go back to more of like the first one, to where it was like a like suspenseful thriller, like you didn't know what was going on. Um, but anyway, uh, Hicks was the main character of the movie. Um, mm. Ripley was pretty much like. Um, I, I think she got like injured and she was, she was basically in like a coma for like half the movie. Um, and then Bishop gets captured by like essentially space Russia. So there's like this weird, like, you know, kind of, you know, like political cold war going on between these like two political bodies. Yeah. And like Bishop gets captured by the, like against, you know, the, the Russian side and then, you know, Hicks and, and uh, Ripley are on the American, you know, colonial Marine side. And it's, again, it's very, very interesting. And it's just, it's upsetting to know what if, you know, there was, there's so many cool versions of this movie. It's upsetting to see what it ended up being is this Frankenstein mess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree with, with your, with your hundred percent agree. Um, <clears throat> so number of chest bursters out of 10. Uh, just because I need to watch the ensemble cut and the cuts that I have seen, the versions I have seen. I mean, this is it, it's it's pretty low for me. I'm I'm just because of the rewatch. I have to go down to the six. <laughs> I I tend to skip this, and maybe my maybe my score will change on the revisit. If we um, do an episode like that, yeah. As I said, my general rule is uh, it has to be at least a seven for me to want to rewatch it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I would say that the, the standard theatrical cut of this movie would also be a six for me. Six, yeah. six chess bruisers out of ten, um, yes. for me. But I'm also going to make a side note that says the assembly cut, <laughs> the yeah. specifically that version of the movie. I will give a seven point five. Like I would actually, 7.5. yeah, I would actually rewatch 
that version of the movie again. It was it's actually good enough for me to watch rewatch it. I think okay, it's it's it's. I would have liked to see David Fincher make the finished version of the movie he wanted to make, but I think it really does vindicate his vision for it. It's fair, it's fair. I'll give that a watch. Mm-hmm. Will Salem and Graveyard ever shut up about the Alien franchise? Stay tuned for more.